Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion featuring a variety of automotive subjects, interviews, special guests, and stories, hosted by the Round 6 Gearheads, Brian Stubsky, Alex Welsh, and Brad King. Here on episode 43, the Gearheads are honored to be joined by legendary builder and all-around nice guy, Dave Lane of Fast Lane Rod Shop. Well, well hey, I didn't see you come in. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian. <laughs> I'm Brad. I'm Alex. I'm, I'm Dave. <laughs> so we go with us tonight uh, if if you if you aren't looking around the room uh we, we've got mr dave lane with us from fast lane rod shop thanks for joining us man you bet no problem this is this is yeah i'm, I'm not gonna fanboy this at all like i told you earlier i don't like any of your music so <laughs> or your fish oh yeah yeah, yeah. So, so, how are things going by you sir Real good, real good, real busy. Awesome! I know you're. Uh, you've been spending your days uh, <laughs> sanding hood louvers. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I'm finishing up on a project that. Uh, one of the last things I usually do is the hood sides because they're the most brutal, and um, that's where I'm at right now. I got about. I, I got about eight days planned to sand and buff two hood sides. That sounds pretty sickening. <laughs> <laughs> Alarm rings in the morning. Uh. Oh, man. Uh, Thank goodness for minimum it. wage. Yeah. yeah. I think it eight days into two hood sides. I, I, I didn't devote, I think, eight full days to raising three kids. <laughs> <laughs> and that might be easier. <laughs> and I got two boys. So I, <laughs> I feel your pain, man. Three Three boys, yes. So we're we're no strangers to sights, smells, and physical pain. So it's a... cool. <laughs> You've had a lot of long term kind of relationships going with like a steady, almost like a revolving, uh, a group of patrons or clients, customers, however you want to put that, partners in cars, I guess. Um, to me, that that's a really that's a really cool thing with you because it really harkens back to kind of describing hot rods as being fine art you know if you look back at the history of art they're always the patrons these these guys you know whether they were popes or just you know rich dudes hanging out who needed something to hang on their wall um just i always wanted to kind of ask you this question and it was you know how do you how do you groom a relationship like that is it something that just kind of happens organically or, you know, is there a set point where you, you guys just look at each other after a car or two and say, we've got to do this again and again and again? <laughs> well, you know, that, that there's, a, there's a long answer to that. I, I've been really fortunate um, with the people I've worked with. Uh, I've been doing this full time since, I think, 2001. <laughs> and i've never uh, approached anybody to build a car i've never solicited anybody anything like that um i've always had people come to me and we've always gelled and, and in fact the the cars actually the people that we've that have asked me about building a car 
that maybe it really wasn't the right kind of car for me to build, um, I would help them find the person that, you know, to find the shop that would be perfect, good fit for them. Um, you know, being just a, a one-man deal, I don't need a lot of projects to keep me busy. What I did intentionally do from the start is, is I set out to only build complete cars, and I, and, uh, and I knew that I had to do everything here myself because, I, because I'm out in the middle of the cornfield, and, uh, and so I'm not going to get local clients. I'm not going to have a revolving door. So the people that I'm going to build a car for, they need to be able to to accept it's going to be a, you know, possibly two, three year project and it's going to start and we're going to finish it. And you're going to have to be able to allow me to work 40, 50 hours a week from the beginning to the end. So that weeds out, you know, that that involves a different type of customer. Well, I was fortunate enough to become good friends with George Poteet early on and and by doing a car for him, that kind of helped get me a little bit established. And 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 him and I kind of see eye to eye on on certain styles of cars. And so uh, you know he would just let me run with with you know he'd say let's build this and he'd hand me a steering wheel and we're going to build a car around the steering wheel. And it, you know that dictated everything pretty much. And and so I was real fortunate to what would happen is you, you're only going to you know the customer you're going to get is going to be based on basically the last car you build so i wanted to make sure that whatever i built was going to draw the person that i wanted to build a car for and it just really worked out well that way so what happened is is you know everybody that would approach me you know usually i was three to four years out so that gave me time for a long job, you know, a long interview. We're both, basically, I looked at it as we're interviewing each other. I want to know that without even talking about money that they can afford to do this, and it's not going to crimp their the rest of their lifestyle, and we wanted to build the same thing. You know, I, I want to build, I got to build what I want to build in order to put everything I got into it. And, and I don't want them, I don't want to force them to build something they don't want to build. So we've got to be able to, we've got to want the same thing and then I can just run, you know, and then, and then it's all good. And, uh, and so what happened is I ended up kind of drawing the right people. And so everybody I built the car for, I've been best friends with ever since I, I, have never had a bad customer. And, uh, and then there again, you kind of end up doing multiple cars with the same people because it's been a good experience for them. That was a long answer for it. <laughs> no, that was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> no, no. And and in fact, one of the one of my other things that kind of helped is I always tried to make sure that when I when I got a car done, I wanted you know roughly that the best time to do it was like when the car was first finished and debuting wherever it's where we're going to take it for the first time. I wanted my next customer to hang out with that owner and then i would get you know i'd introduce them because they already knew each other but i wanted to talk when i was not there so that so that the truth comes out then you know everybody can everybody's going to talk good about each other when you're all standing there but when i walk away then the guy that i just built the car for can tell the new guy what he really thinks and i knew that would usually be a good thing and it always paved the road for a good experience on the next car because i think that would put them at ease that they felt you know the trustworthy and, and don't worry about it it's been a great experience a lot of fun and and so I, I never you know basically i mean i build a customer since 2001 every month 
and I've never had as much as a question about a bill. They've, I've never had one time um, in all those months where somebody looked at a bill and then said, well, what did you do here or whatever? They've, they've never, they've never questioned anything. And I think, uh, you know, I've just been very lucky that way, but, <laughs> but then again, I intentionally, I, you know, I tried to set out to get that kind of person that, um, that wanted the same thing as I did. I wasn't trying to convince them to do things, you know, and another key uh, that I've always done is that I always said that, you know, the car's got to have what it's got to have, but I'm not the kind of guy that's going to keep spending because you got money. And so I've always told people, I mean, you know, when the car's done, we know it. And you could have another, you could tell me you got $50,000 more. Let's keep going. And I would give you a car with a briefcase of $50,000 in the trunk because we didn't need to spend it. We didn't, we didn't need anything else. It had what it had. You know, I've, I've never put a, a stereo on a car. I mean, I've, I've built you know, the cars that I've built since 2001. I've never put a radio on them. None of them really needed a radio. They shouldn't have, you know, they, they didn't need one. It, it was the fun of the cars in it, listening, you know, going through the gears and, and hammering and all that. And, and uh, so, you know, I think in that respect, they trust me. And, and um, so I, I guess I've just been lucky. I've, I've intentionally tried to draw the right guy and, uh, and it really worked out well. I mean, like I said, Phil and Deb, they're the nicest people in the world. I mean, you just came and imagine. And George is great. And, and Alan Button. I mean, every one of them. Uh, Floyd, I hate to say the names because then I leave somebody out. But uh, every one of them has been just a wonderful mm -hmm. experience. Awesome, man. And I, I am so tempted right now to have a giveaway on the podcast and say, we need somebody to bribe <laughs> George to show up at your doorstep with a Sparkomatic radio. And a pyramid amp and say, build me a car around this, Dave. <laughs> a pyramid. Because <laughs> oh, you can't find Tandies anymore. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like this. So it's, you know, some Jensen coaxels. From the, <laughs> from the middle of the cornfield. All I hear is you screaming, curse The you. stuff that I've been nostalgic for lately is the stuff that I had like in high school. And, and so I've been kind of nostalgic because... I don't know how old you guys are, but I was born in 64 and, and saw an Alpine stereo oh, in, man. The car, in the high school parking lot, man, you were, yeah. that was it. I mean, it was, that was, you know, and so I can just remember the little green square buttons, you know, the backlit buttons <laughs> on know. Alpine. That was just, yeah. man. Yeah, we're all about the same age. And I yep. remember as a kid, you know, my, uh, my older brother, Chris had a, uh, a 68 Chevelle that had a Pioneer Super Tuner in it. And oh, it was the oh. underdash one with the big dial on it. You and I bet. remember he, we couldn't afford, he couldn't afford it. He had a minimum wage job. He found one out of a car that had been rolled like 30 times. And the thing was <laughs> bent like a parallelogram and he straightened it out. <laughs> <laughs> but it still worked great. <laughs> the, I car, the car of the stereo. Uh, well, I, the car was absolutely destroyed, but right he was able to wedge himself inside the car and get the stereo out of it. And I think he paid like five bucks for it. So <laughs> oh, it worked great. Yes. That's back when Pioneer made a pretty good piece. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, I remember that stereo. My cousin had a, a 69 or a 70, a 70 Chevelle SS with a 427 in it. And it had Ooh. that stereo in it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. Those days, they were... <laughs> <laughs> well, that Mickey Thompson 50 Indie Profiles. Yeah. I, I drew that. I would draw cars, and oh, I am no no artist. 
but uh, everything I drew always had those had had slots of Mickey Thompson fifty indie profiles on it. Had to get ends because they didn't make O's yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, N fifties, man. Yeah, N fifties. Oh, badass, man. That was. <laughs> But now you look at them, those things are just tidy. But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little tighter. <laughs> okay, so speaking of stuff like that, what was uh, what was the first car you ever you ever put the Dave Lane touch on? What's the first car you modified as, well, let's go back in time. Young Dave Lane, first car. <laughs> well, I had a 73 Nova SS. That was my Ooh. first car. And uh, had Krager SSTs and uh, BF Goodrich <laughs> bias ply on it. But I was 15 and, and at a 353 speed, and, and uh, it was a neat little car. Nothing, you know. Back then, I, I see, I, I didn't, I didn't have any shop classes or nothing like that. I, I played sports, and usually you didn't, you couldn't do one or the other. I don't remember even why, but I just remember the shop classes involved after school. I think some, and and so I was, I was in practice and stuff. So I, I. You know, I, I had cars like that, but I didn't really know much about them. I thought I did. I, I thought I knew it. You know, I, I built models since I was five years old and had Hot Rod magazines since, you know, I think five or six, you know, and, and I was always into cars. That was really, that was really the only thing I was really into. But mechanically, until you built something, you know, you can think you know something all day long, but until you built one, you, you kind of don't, you know, and, and, uh, so I I had that little Nova and we had to put a clutch in it and that was a real big deal you know but but otherwise it was I thought it was a hot rod but it you know it was kind of a dog but it looked pretty good. <laughs> but uh, then yeah. I had a '76 Trans Am for a while and that was actually pretty fast that was a 455 four speed but uh, it just torqued crazy amounts of torque and um, but really what for me what kind of turned deal is 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 uh my girlfriend then now my wife we uh 1984 we went to the hot rod super nats in uh, ohio and which was really unusual for me I, I you know to go to a car show out of state was really a big deal and uh and we went to that and zz tops eliminator was there and we just happened to get to the fairgrounds and i don't remember what day it was but we're just sitting there wasn't a lot of people around i don't know if it was like the end of the day or whatever we're just sitting on this little wall brick like a small brick wall and this guy's sitting next to us and now there again i'm just a little punk kid my wife and her girlfriend we're just sitting there you know nobody's and this guy starts talking to us and it was harry hibbler and we, i had no <laughs> wow. idea wow hand grenade harry you know and there again i've been reading hot rods forever and ever but see you don't you don't really know anything you, you think you do you read the magazine and all this you know <laughs> we're sitting there talking to this guy and, and we said oh i can't wait to see that car tomorrow and everything he goes well you know it's we're right next to this building he goes it's just inside that garage door right there because you want to go see it and, and you know there again you got this little kid from nowhere wisconsin at the time you know sure so he took us in there we got to sit in it you know the whole deal was just unbelievable and uh and the next day they had it outside roped off you couldn't get 30 feet to it you know i mean it was un unapproachable from then on and uh and we drove home and i had sold the car i drove there in and um and thought i gotta build a hot rod and didn't know nothing about nothing and found a 28 pontiac two-door sedan in a paper that was completely apart i mean there wasn't nothing assembled <laughs> on the car and bought it brought it home uh, trailer and two truckloads of parts 
and just proceeded to start trying to buy some tools. And, and I did this while I was putting myself through college, working full time. So I was going to school full time, working full time and trying to build this car, which I knew nothing about. I borrowed a friend's compressor and worked in a garage that was unheated in Wisconsin. Un, um, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't insulated. So I remember being out there one time, it was 30 <laughs> below and I was out there trying to work. <laughs> I mean, it was insane, but you, you had to take advantage of any time you had because I didn't have much time, you know? Um, making five dollars an hour trying to trying to pay for all that and, and uh it was a it was a pretty interesting three years but i got it done wow Jeez. So, but that's what turned it the, because it, when i saw the eliminator on the give me all your loving video it was I, I remember standing in a stereo store buying an alpine stereo in fact not actually and uh <laughs> and, and that video came on mtv just started and just watching that thing go down the road it was like Oh my God! There's nothing. There's nothing like that. There's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I like Chevelles and Camaros and all that kind of stuff. And then when I saw that, it was like, holy shit! That's 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 it. A ZZ Top video from that era is like the great litmus test. It's like, well, son, what age are you at? And you got to see what he pays attention to: girls or car. <laughs> yeah. and to, although to this day, I've got to admit, uh, car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dave, to put it kind of in perspective, like the, the legs video where they're at the gas station, or were they in that in that in the ZZ Top video? That's yep. that's just directly uh, directly west of here. Alex kind of goes by that on the way to work. Kind of goes out that direction. No kidding. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, how cool! I thought oh, you were going to put it in a deeper perspective. You're going to be like, hey, you know when that video was made? Brad's gonna, and they were like, yeah. When Brad's going to be like, well, yeah, I just turned thirty-seven. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was mean man yeah yeah i remember that video too and that was right around the time that the eastwood and barricade car came out and, and i started getting the same kind of thing as you i wanted a hot rod really bad and uh they were just kind of out of my reach price wise so i felt like it's never ever gonna happen and so it's still a bucket list car for me for sure yep Oh yeah, that was well. That 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 Pontiac cost me. I think it was seven hundred and fifty bucks, and then I ended up having to buy another one because they had it for parts. Even though it came with all the parts, it came with so many parts. But I but the body was so apart and had all the wood, and I could I'd never get that together. So I bought one that had a body that was still assembled. And uh, but uh, you know, it, of course you you know I spent everything I had, but it wasn't a lot back then. But but uh, that was. It's tough, but that that car that you saw that going down the road, you couldn't. I don't know how how anybody could watch that video and not think that was cool. I mean, it just yeah. you know, yeah. But then, but then look at how it affected people. You could pull, you could have pulled up in a red forty six four later on. Hey, that's a ZZ Top car. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> You're right. If it's You're got exactly headlights right. that bolt to the fenders on stands, everybody thinks it's a ZZ Top car. <laughs> you just gave me a great idea we need to make a movie about an alternate dimension where it was never the eliminator car it was like a fiero (laughs) with pontoon fenders this is gonna get even better (laughs) that was always the truth you know anybody with a red car was was a zz top car it didn't matter what it was yeah now big question though did you have the zz top keychain 
Hanging yes, from I did. Yes, I did. In fact, if I looked around for long enough, I could probably find it around. <laughs> I searched yeah, high and low through my house one night to find mine. And uh, we were talking about cars we had. And I was like, oh, yeah, I had like four of my cars hanging from the rear view mirror. Yeah, it's one of those things you, you, you get and you never like let go of. It's weird. Yep. Man, so, wow, Kate, moving on from, from the first car, what came after that? Or what happened to that car? The 28, what happened is is I finished that in, it would be like June or July after three years. And my wife, my, my wife we got married and we were going to move overseas. I was, um, she was working for the government then for the army, um, as a civilian. And, uh, and so I sold it in the fall. So I only had it three months and sold it. And then, uh, we moved over to Germany and lived there for four years. Um, I'd worked for the government for, for 11 years total. Uh, I used to do uh, network design is really where my education basically is at. <laughs> and, uh, and then when we moved back to the States, then, um, then I started, you know, doing stuff in the shop at night and everything. I'd, I had actually bought a 35 Chevy three window coupe. That was a hot rod. Um, and, and took it back to Germany for a year. And then when we got back to the States here, you know, typically what you did is you, you, you hauled cars overseas and you could sell them, make a lot of money on them. Mm -hmm. What happened, uh, I was kind of an idealistic kid. And what happened is, is we, I bought it here. I actually bought it at the Good Guys Indy and drove it to the East Coast, and then we shipped it back, and uh, and then we and then we decided we're going to move back to the states a year later. Well, I couldn't sell it. You know, we had we had just had a kid, and uh, and I looked at him and I keep thinking, you know, it made me mad to watch people sending stuff over to Germany, overseas, thinking our kids are never going to have have those cars because we're everybody's shipping them over there. So I couldn't be part of it. So unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever, we ended up shipping it back and um and then i went through and redid that car uh blew it all apart and chopped it and did all sorts of stuff and, and um drove it for a couple of years and sold that and then i built i had a 32 roadster and, and uh built that and then i had my built did my 59 wagon um that would have been in i think 2000 and then from then on, I, you know, I started building other people's cars and, and didn't build nothing for myself until I did the Galaxy just a couple of years back. So, um, you know, the wagon would have been the last of anything I built for myself for a long time, which was kind of unusual because it was so different than anything I built for other people, you know. Right. Pretty much built 32s. I did a, almost all 32s. I did the 40 truck for George and I did a 34. I think everything else has been 32s. I've always been a wagon guy, so when you when you brought that wagon, I was like, oh, I yeah, like this cool. a lot. <laughs> that car was so much fun. We put we put thirteen thousand miles in that car in three and a half months. Wow. And but you know what's neat about that car is a friend of mine, Kelly Page. He's the guy that did the woodwork and the delivery. Well, um, he would come out when I was building the wagon. He'd just come out and he'd always call it the big ugly. And, uh, and, and we'd laugh about it and everything, you know, and, 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 and the whole time I'm doing, I'm thinking, you know, if I, if I don't want to do this full time or whatever, why am I wasting my time in this car? It's never going to, it's never going to get me anywhere. It's not going to do anything for me, but I just kept thinking, but how much fun and, and the kids are going to love it, you know, and well, what happened 
and this is what's so neat about building something when you have like zero expectations. You know, you just have none at all. Well, uh, we I took it on a power tour. So um, I left here, I think it had 75 miles on it and, uh, and, and drove it out to California. And then we did the power tour back. And I would call home every night um, because my wife and kids were going to meet me at Indy, Good Guys Indy, where we were going to get off the power tour. And I said, you're just, you're not going to believe this. You're just not going to believe this. People just love this car. It's the funnest thing. And, and, and that's what happened. It was, it was one of these that they just couldn't believe how many people really liked it because it was never, it was always just look at it, just a family car. We're just going to, you know, pile the kids in and just go. And, and so that's, what was, it was so, it was so cool to do something with just no expectations and just watch people just really think it was a pretty neat thing, you know? That's awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> we took, we took uh, my oldest son, uh, he had a birthday party. And so we piled in 13 kids. They wanted to go to the skate <laughs> rink and go eat pizza. And of course, all the kids want to ride in the back seat, you know, cause they're third, you know, so you kind of switch off, but we had 13 kids piled in the thing. Well, so we go eat pizza and of course they brought their skates. And so, uh, I'm cold. I, I got to pay the bill pizza. So all the kids run outside and they're all want to jump in the car. And I look out there, and one of his friends has got his has got his skates, his roller skates, and he's twirling them, you know, above his head. Oh. And they're just clearing the roof of the car as oh. he's doing that. And, oh. and, I'm, and I'm coming, I'm coming out to the door of the pizza place, looking at that, thinking, "Oh God, don't! I can't say nothing because I don't want him to stop." You got to be good enough. But it was just one of these where, oh my God, but those kids, they had so much fun cruising in that car and just pile in, you know? <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> you know, when we were younger, though, station wagons were always looked on kind of disdain. It's like, oh, you guys got a wagon. It was kind of basically the sport utility of today. I mean, if you've got a family that more than three or four kids, you almost had to have a wagon or a big full-size car. But exactly. And then a lot of us now look back on them like, man, I would love to have another wagon because they're so convenient. You know, just like for you guys, you know, taking all your kids everywhere, everybody gets to have fun. And plus, you know, they, they look really cool when they're done. I just wish that no one else would have figured out how cool wagons were. And I wish they were still the same bargain that they used to be. They're not anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. A good one. And with a wagon, you've almost got to buy one that's all complete and in pretty good shape because some of that stuff is not reproduced. No, and so specific to a wagon that, you know, you're right. Yeah, I mean, it, exactly. Every, everything from the driver's door back is pretty much unique. Yep. Yeah. I got so lucky on, on that one. That, you know, that was back before the Internet. You know, so when you needed to part, you had to go to swap meet or whatever. You couldn't just Google it or you couldn't go on eBay. And uh, I needed one piece of trim. And we have a junkyard that's about 10 miles away from here that used to have a bunch of cars and, you know, they keep scrapping them, all this kind of stuff. And they had a 59 there, one fifty-nine, and it had one piece of trim on it that I needed. And uh, <laughs> I got so lucky because the car was pretty, it was gutted, uh, it, it, but it had everything on it, but it, you know, it didn't have an engine. It was, it was, it was pretty ratted out. But luckily, it had the things you needed because, like you said, I mean, it was that was all unique stuff. Yeah, is that car still around? Yeah, you know, and in fact, Good Guys has been using it in some of their promotions lately. 
um, there's, I, I can't, the guy's last name is Cox. Um, he got quite a few 59s. Uh, Randy Cox, I, I don't I hate to say his name now. Um, but they, they've been showing pictures of it. And I know it was down in Texas for a number of years. Um, the guy down there, I met him and, and he was having a blast with the car. I think he, he must've had it five, six, seven years. Um, I had to get rid of it because I, I don't do well taking care of them. And, and, and I was just driving the hell out of the car. And I knew if, if I kept it, I was going to just beat it up because cause it's one of these where you work so hard to get it done. And once it's done, I'm driving it. I, I'm, I, you know, I've done working on it now. And, and, yeah. uh, and so we sold it after, I think it was the second year. That's cool. That's cool that you drove the crap out of it like that. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> Closest it came to a trailer was parking next to one. You know, that's my kind of car. <laughs> well, my Galaxy, I mean, that was even that was even more. I mean, I, I got 27,000 miles on that, and that was really in the first two summers. And in the first <laughs> trip, I left the house here with 300 miles and, and got home with 6,400 miles. Wow. With that good guy's tour. I drove it out to California and then drove it on the tour from to Nebraska, then down to uh, Dallas and then Dallas home. And in fact, it was kind of crazy is that first 300 miles before I left was like a brutal 300 miles. I mean, I couldn't go 10 miles and something would, something was wrong. It was the weirdest car. I've never fought a car so much and, uh, and just weird things would, would happen. So I thought there's no way I can drive. I'm, I'm not going to leave the house and go that far. Cause I haven't yet. You know, I haven't, I couldn't go 20 miles without a weird problem. And, and so I got lucky and I, the next 6,400 were pretty much trouble. <laughs> Who would have thought, you know, I mean, I mean, even as much as I'm getting ready to leave. Okay. It was Sunday morning. And I'm getting ready to drive to California. And I open up the door. The dome light stays on. So I bend over to flick the, the, the dome light switch thing in the, in the pillar, you know. And I, and I click it. And it just and it, and the little bulb thing pops out, lands on the ground. And now it's lit. It ain't going to go off. <laughs> freaking kidding me. I mean, so luckily that was a new part. It was all new parts that kept going. Luckily, I had the original one, but of course, I cut the wires a little bit too short, so I had to lengthen the wires to get them to fit. This is where I'm like in my driving clothes. I mean, I'm ready to roll. Yeah, that's how that car was. I mean, but it's been good ever since. I mean, I've been lucky there. But but yeah, it's got like twenty seven thousand on it. That's it looks like a nice drive, driving car. You know, oh, those oh, galaxies oh. probably ride pretty nice. God, it's it's the best. But see, but truthfully, I you know it's it's all the suspensions, all everything is brand new. But it's factory stuff, except um, of course the springs are a little bit different. But it's got um, air ride technologies, ride tech. Uh, Brett sent me some of the shocks, and that's that's everything. I mean, that is absolutely that car is unbelievably stable. I can, it car is so fast and I've never once felt like it's floaty or it's, it's getting out of hand or anything. And it's, it's everything to a shock. So, I mean, you go up an overpass and the car never bounces. I mean, it just goes up, comes down, right back down to where it should be. It's, it's all about shocks. Huh. Yeah. I'm a GM guy, but I, I love the 63 galaxy. That is such a good looking car. And oh, beautiful. Yeah, and to have a camera in it, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I could have done that. I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, that's a whole other echelon, you know. 
<laughs> that's just that's at the top of the cool level right there. <laughs> yeah. So when when you uh, when you started the shop, it, what was your vision for the shop? Say ten years down the road, you know, when you're sitting down, you're figuring out your business plan. Or did you have a business plan? Even better question, I guess. I did. It was all in my head. I mean, basically, uh, you know, I'd been working for the government for about 13 years or 12, yeah, 12 or 13 years. And I knew, I, I, first I knew I didn't want to manage anybody. If I wanted to manage people, I'd stay there, you know. So so I knew that I, I, I and I wanted, I, I was, I was, I was going to build cars. I mean, that's, that was the whole that was the whole deal. I, I, and honestly, I mean, it was one of these things that growing up as a kid, you could never fathom. I mean, I could have never dreamed in a million years that I'd actually be able to do this, making a living. I just it couldn't even, I couldn't even have it as a goal because it wouldn't even been a thought, you know, it, it had been so incomprehensible. So, um, you know, what happened, I'll never forget the night is, um, I, I come in, you know, cause there again, I was working, I was working full time and then I get home, and work out in the shop to usually, oh gosh, usually 12 to one in the morning. And then I have to get up to go to work at quarter to five. And, uh, and so I did that for, you know, a handful of years and, and you're just kind of living on the edge constantly of just, you know, cause a lot of times no sleep at all. You know, I mean, it just kind of varied, but, and, and what was happening is my kids were just starting to get to the age where they were going to want to play sports and everything. And I wasn't going to miss that. So, uh, you, you know, something was going to have to give. Well, at that time, I was doing George's Green Roads to the first car I did for him. I had a friend that um, out of Virginia that wanted me to do a, a really nice 32 Roadster with a Brookville body. And I knew George was going to be good for another one if this Roadster turned out well. So I thought at that point, I got three cars lined up. That's, you know, I was building a car pretty much I could do it in a year at that point. So I thought I got three years lined up here. I can't expect somebody to line up after that, um, especially doing this part time. So if I'm ever going to walk, you know, that's the time to do it. You know, and I'm walking away from a government job on five weeks leave. I mean, it was great, <laughs> yeah. but but I just couldn't I couldn't fathom doing that for a lifetime. And, and so, you know, at that point, I mean, I knew that um, that I wanted I wanted to build them. You know, I'm always funny about when people say they did something and then you find out, well, they didn't really do it. You know, just like when somebody says they built a house. Well, they didn't really build the house. They kind of overseen the building of the house. Right. And I don't know why that was always a trigger for me that I feel like if I'm going to tell somebody I did something, then I did it. You know, it's not like I had somebody do it, you know, and and so I was pretty adamant about making sure that I did what I said I did. And, and, and plus, I knew, I think I said earlier that I knew that I'd where I'm located and stuff, I have to have a project that's going to last a year or two years at least, and uh, and customers are willing to do that, and I can't have half done projects and stuff. So, um, so it was, it was in that part that was kind of my business plan is to make sure I'm always got a customer lineup that can afford to do a complete car, and I'm not going to do small stuff. So, uh, so basically, I could tell a customer that I can't tell you when I'm going to start on it. I can't tell you how long it's going to take. But I can tell you what I'm going to do before I start on it. So they knew. And I said, and I'm never going to take anything else. So they could see what I'm working on. And they knew when that car's done, their car starts. And we're not going to stop until it's done. So, you know, George would always laugh at people that would talk about building a car. And they'd go somewhere else. And he'd always laugh and tell them, you know, 
you're going to regret it because you're going to go to that guy and they're going to bounce you around. It's going to get dusty and, you know, and that kind of thing. And if you just stayed with it, Dave, it would have got done sooner in the long run, you know, and, and, uh, and, and so, you know, in that part, that was my business plan basically is, is, and, and to try to do this until I retire. I mean, that was my whole goal is, is can we make this work? And, and, um, it worked out, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty close to the end right now, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, I've never, and I've never, I've always been four or five years out, and so uh, I've been fortunate that I then I can pick, you know, I can be real picky about who I work for, and that's good for both. I mean, I want, I want the person I'm working for to be totally comfortable um, with everything. It's a marriage, and we're going to be married from here on out. I mean, you know, once the car's done, it's not like you go away. I mean, we're we're going to be friends, and 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 uh, you know, it's going to be a good thing. So. I want to make sure that I get the guy that that, in, that enjoys doing this, like Phil and Deb. I mean, it's they're they're amazing. They they refuse to have a bad day. They uh, they always when they visit, it's all good. They're excited about everything. You know, Phil is crazy talented. I mean, this guy can do really good metal work. He he's creative and, and like I said, really talented. But he acts like when you walk when he walks in the shop, he acts like like I'm just the god. I'm, oh my god, how can he do that? He can do most of the stuff I'm doing. But he's just that kind of guy that he just he's just so generous and, and just such a good guy about it and and just wants to have fun. And I mean, that you know, it's tough, but that's what this is about. I mean, if you're not enjoying it, then why are you doing it? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's so weird that, you know, none of this stuff is needed. So if, if you're doing it, you got to try to have fun doing it. And, and it's going to be tough and it's expensive and there's there's rough days and stuff, but but it's supposed to be fun. You know, and and uh, and they're really good about making it fun. That seems to be a hallmark too of uh, a lot of the people who build multiple cars. They all have a really positive attitude, and they're the people who really, really get it. You know, they understand. It's like, hey, this is what it takes to build a car. You know, if there's a setback, it's well, it's just part of the way it goes. You know, you take a couple steps forward, you get knocked on your rear end, you pick back up, you do it again, and it's, it's right. kind of funny to see that. And I, I couldn't be happier for you to know that, you know, it, it. it's like the universe came together and said, you are the perfect guy to build these cars for these people. <laughs> not to forget, not to be philosophical, <laughs> but that's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really cool uh, it, thing. It, it, it's just, well, it has been. I, I, I've been so blessed and, and, um, and, and, you know, and that, it's just, it is, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's a dream. It, like I said, it's one of these, you couldn't even, I couldn't even set it as a goal. My goal really was to see if I can make this last. I mean, if I can just keep work building a car for somebody, you know, and, 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 uh, and then, so everything that's happened, uh, you know, has all been frosting on the cake because, it, you know, I just wanted to build the best car I could. And, and, um, and so we got pretty lucky along the way. Um, but that was never, those were never any of the goals, you know, but like you said about the multiple you know, the customers with multiple cars and stuff, you know, it's good that once somebody has been through it, then they kind of understand the ups and downs and, uh, and the nature of it, you know, and, and so they're always the best customers they're the best, you know, cause it's tough. I mean, it's, it, it I, you know, and that's, that's why I always feel bad about, you know, you go to a show and, and I've always felt that, you know, nobody at a show is getting the real recognition they deserve. You know, the guy that wins, the guy that wins everything almost got what he deserved. 
and everybody else didn't get nearly as much because of how much work they are, how much dedication it takes, uh, you know, besides the money. But it, you've got to be so dedicated for something for so long. And, and so you just feel bad for because there's just not enough attaboys that go around. And, and so, you know, I walk around to shows a lot of times. I like to stop and talk to people that, you know, you can tell they're just so proud of the car. And I, and I get it because because it took so much work to get it here. And, uh, and, and somebody's got to just tell them good job, you know, because it's tough. I mean, I, yep. my, I remember building that first car and if you, if, you know, I always tell, especially younger guys I like to tell them, you know, especially people are trying to do this nights and weekends, you know, and, and don't look around, don't look up and don't look around, look at only what you're working on. Because if you allow yourself to keep looking around at all the stuff left to do, you'll go in the house. I mean, you'll just, it's yeah. overwhelming. That is true. You know, if, if you're out here standing louvers, <laughs> you're going to keep doing that for the next 10 days. You look around, you got more to do. You're going in the house, you know, and, and so it, that was my, that, that was what I had learned on the first car. And because uh, I swore when I finished that first car, I'd never do it again. I mean, I, I just like when a, I think when a lady has a baby, you know, the first thing is that they're never going to do it again. And then once they have a baby, it's like, oh my God, they want to have another one, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, and that's how I felt, man. That first car going through that, it was so, it was so brutal. And, uh, but once you get that, that feeling of accomplishment, you know, that you created something, um, it's a tough thing to, to not want to do again, you know, and you kind of quickly forget the pain and, and. I'm sure you guys have been all, you know, all you guys have been there and, and yep. it's a good feeling, you know, and you get yeah. the thing done, but God, it just, it takes so much. It, it's funny. You're talking about the dedication there. I, I remember when I built my dad's El Camino, I built, I built him a 72 Camino and, uh, but, you know, the first 80%, first 80% of the job, I, it sounds funny to say, but that's actually the easy part. It's that last 20%, you know, I hate my life, you know, because it doesn't seem to end. So, you know, you get your, you get your little notebook and you're making your list. It's like, okay, you're, you're at that particular part of the car. It's like, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Well, crap, I'm looking at the back and you, you're adding, you know, so you got like four pages of just crap. You know, yeah. and you're going, okay, I'll check off this and I'll check off this. And you go, shoot, I just added two more pages. <laughs> you know, <Exactly. laughs> pretty soon it feels like you're writing a book just off of checkoff stuff. You go, this is never going to get done. But you keep you keep getting it and you keep getting it. And pretty soon you go, hey, I only got a couple of pages left. This is, There's actually light at the end of this tunnel. So it, it can be done, but the dedica- it just takes a lot of dedication. You got to just, you know, hey, I started this. I got to finish this. So... It's tough. It's easy to take them apart. You know, it's it's easy to bring that old car in there and start unscrewing all the screws and then bolting everything. That's why you got so many cars that aren't done. You know, because uh, yeah. man, it, you know, because I don't care. I don't care how much budget you're trying to do it. It still costs a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, and and when you're three quarters of the way done, you got a big pile of parts and a whole bunch of money that doesn't look like nothing. And and <laughs> you just got to keep keep going and, and you know and they're getting you know. It's gotten easier, you know, when you do this during the day, you know, you can get, you can get a good, easy 10, 12 hours in a day, but man, when you're trying to do it nights and weekends with a full-time job, you know, God, I give that guy a lot of credit. I mean, I used to be that guy and, uh, and I just don't know how it happens. I mean, it's, you come home, you're beat, you got kids, you got to run them around, you got stuff to do, you know, and lawn needs mowing everything and you got to try to get something done on the car tonight you know and and so you get a couple hours well you know 
that's just so little progress. But if you just keep, like you said, you just got to keep doing it. And it gets to a point where you stop adding things to the list and you finally check something off and you don't add another one, you know, (laughs) it's that stuff. And it happens. You'll get it done. I mean, just, but like you said, you have to work on it every night or, you know, or at least, or at least every other, I mean, you've got to stay with it. Once you stop, it's really hard to get focused to get back on it. So. Yep. You're exactly right. And, but that's, what's tough is, I mean, you, but you do that for weeks and weeks and months and you really don't see much progress. You know, it just, it just, it's just tough. You know, that, like I said, that's why you just feel like, and you go to these shows and you just think, man, everybody here, you know, and I shouldn't say everybody cause not everybody's built it, but the guys that have built them, Oh man, you got to give them a lot of credit cause it took, took crazy amounts of dedication. Yeah. You know, you're kind of a rarity in the hot rod business, being as you're a one-man show. How, how can you tell us how and how you can make this arrangement work so well for you? Um, you know, I don't know. It was, it was kind of out of necessity, really. I mean, it, you know, when I built my car, I had to learn everything because I couldn't afford to pay anybody anything. So you just had to had to figure it out. And I didn't really have any background in it. I what I did. Um, early on what happened is when i was going when i finished college I, I, um i had got a degree in business and there was a tech school across the street from that college which is about 20 miles away from my house this is in lacrosse wisconsin and, and uh and so what i did is we i knew we were going to be moving to germany in a year so they had a they had a one year and a two-year machine apprentice program well the two-year was the good one the one year was uh not as uh, um, it was more of an operator thing. And I think the two-year program, I can't remember what they called it. Well, I knew I couldn't graduate in two years. I, you know, I was going to be gone within the two years, but it was a better program. So I just took that. I took all the machine shop classes I could take um, for that one year, just on the hunch that I wanted to learn how to do this stuff. And then at the same time, um, because I'd never learned to weld yet when I was starting on that car, so there were, at our high school, um, the shop teacher would stay in the evenings on like Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Now, I was in college at the time, but he would let me, I could bring my frame there and then I could work on it while we were learning how to weld. Then I could learn how to weld and weld this frame at the same time. Um, but what I had to do, this sounds just crazy, but what I'd have to do is as I would get home from school, load the frame up in the back of the truck, take it to the high school. And this is like through the winter. I'll never forget because like one night there was like six years of snow on it. But what I did is I would I would I took it took it to the high school, worked on it for a while. Then I had to go to work, which I bartended. So I I draw you know loaded up the truck, take take to the place bartending, close up at uh, midnight or two in the morning or whatever, then drive home, unload this thing, and then go to school in the morning. But that's how I learned how to weld. And, uh, and, and so it was one of these, but it was all just based out of necessity. If you didn't, if I didn't do it, I couldn't afford to pay somebody else. So, and that's kind of how it, it, when we moved back to the States, then I built that other car. I learned, you know, I chopped the top on that. I figured, had to figure it out, you know, you just go through magazines and stuff. And, and, and then, uh, and then same thing, you know, I got a TIG and, 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 and I, I bought a mill and a lathe when I got here, just an old, uh, South Bend out of a, a high school. It was a, um, auction and the same thing with the mill and uh and luckily i had that schooling so i kind of had an idea how to do that and, and so 
you know, you just learned all that stuff. And then I knew when I was building the cars, like I said, I had to, I had to do everything here so that, you know, I needed to be busy 40 hours a week for a year or two. And, uh, and I know I was going to do that. So I was doing everything myself except for the interior. I knew that was a whole nother <laughs> art form that I just, you can always tell when somebody does not do an interior, does an interior, you know, and I just thought yeah. I can't be that guy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, uh, so I knew I had to farm that out, but like the sedan delivery, you know, there was, uh, just the seats were done. So that car never left my shop. I mean, I, you know, brought the body here and I built uh, that car never left the doors until it was finished on its way to California for the roadster show. Um, and, and Kelly Page is the only one that helped me out on that. I mean, he, uh, he came and he would do woodworking in my shop a couple of days, a couple of days a week. And, uh, and so otherwise, you know, so that was really, that's how it worked and it, it worked out great. I mean, I, cause see, the thing is, the other thing is I knew the kind of cars I was going to build. I was never going to scratch build, you know, a hand form body. And, you know, I've got an English wheel and, and decent sheet metal tools, but I didn't need, I only bought what I needed and I, and I didn't have crazy dreams of stuff that would be cool to build. I, I tried to look at it realistically on what I, where my niche was. And, and, and I knew, you know, I always liked, like Brizio, I always loved what he did. So I always looked at it as I'm going to build that style of car, like a low back car, those kind of cars, but I'm going to just try to do them really, really nice, as nice as I can make them. Um, but, but not, you know, I, it was, a, you know, and that guy, that customer was of the right age that they, those guys could afford to build those cars. They've been wanting to build them their whole life. And finally, the business did well. The kids graduated. They're, you know, they're out of the house and everything. And they finally got somebody that can finally do what they want. So that was kind of the people I was hoping to target. Um, and they were willing to pay for, you know, they'd see the difference in a half inch here and a quarter inch there. They, they got that, you know. And, and so um, that, you know, it kind of worked out well in that respect. But that was really the gist of trying to do everything in-house was that I, that, you know, I just, that was my way of keeping busy, you know, and um, it was my, my first shop that, that uh, I had because my, my shops are on, on, you know, on my property here. And the first one I had, a, had a, a small work area and a booth. It was just a handmade booth, but it was a real small little two-car garage. Well, um, I had to, you know, my assembly room was the booth. So I had to paint the frame last because, there was nowhere to go with it if I, you know, if I painted it first, <laughs> and that's where the car's getting put together, so you better not scratch anything because you're in the booth, you know, and, and so that's how I built, you know, everything up until uh, the sedan delivery. I mean, I, I built George's five window in that little that little building, and, and uh, you know, it, it was a ratty little nothing. I mean, it, it, it was really bad place. I didn't realize how bad it was until you start looking at pictures and like oh my god i can't believe i worked in there but it didn't matter to me i i you know it didn't really it didn't phase me i didn't i don't i didn't have to have fancy stuff and everything i just needed what i need you know and i, I kind of I, I when i see these guys that start out and they and they think they need to build the shop and have to have all the best tools and they just bury themselves in debt and then trying to find the customer and, and to me it's all going about it backwards you know i started having three projects before i even opened the doors and, uh, and, and I had already bought the tooling I, I had forever. I, I hardly bought anything. I built a new shop and I hardly bought any new tooling for it. I, I kind of have all my old stuff and, and, um, 
I guess, you know, I, I just kind of make do with what you got. And, and then, uh, you know, I knew I wasn't going to try to compete. I wasn't going to try to, to build a, 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 a car that would be like Detroit Speed or something like that. You know, that's a brutal area to be in. I mean, the guys that are built, you know, between the Ring Brothers and Roadster Shop, I mean, Roadster Shop, those guys are, I, I, they're, on a, they're on another planet. Oh, yeah. Uh, what they're uh, what they can accomplish and what they do. I mean, they're they're just those guys are amazing. And same with Kyle and and I mean, you know, so many of those guys. I would hate to be in that niche. I I can't even imagine competing it with those guys. I mean, that is that's a you know, and I don't and I shouldn't say competing, but I mean, you know, what it is. I mean, you want to you want to do good. And you you know, and, and 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 doing good doesn't mean winning things as much as just fitting in. You know, you want to build something that those guys think are cool and and. Uh, and and that's a that's a pretty brutal area. I kind of like the niche I'm in, you know. It's it's uh, a little more traditional kind of stuff and, and a little more straightforward. You didn't want to check your body gap for the spark plug gapper? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's the it's the uh, the machine work and stuff that's brutal. You know, I can I can make stuff in my little Bridgeport and stuff, but but I don't have a CNC sitting there uh you know cranking out the kind of stuff that they can crank out and and um you know the more high-tech stuff you know versus uh hell brands and and that kind of thing you know and, and uh you don't want that kind of stuff in the kind of build so it, it really is a good it's a good fit oh yeah and you well you know like they obviously have that look they've got that high-tech look down but you've managed over the years to develop a real and, and there's a definitive dave lane look you know, it's it's not a cookie cutter thing, car to car. It's just you could look at anything you've touched and know that you've touched it. And well, I guess thanks. my big question for you on that then is, you know, how did how did the Dave Lane look kind of come to be? You know, what were your influences? Um. Well, you know, low back. You know, a lot of the stuff he built, I always thought was just so badass. Um, no, you know, yeah. it kind of came from. It came from several. I mean, you know, Roy always built a decent car. Um, all his cars always had a neat look to them. Uh, but, you know, I, I remember when I would go to shows early on and trying to learn how to do this, I'd always try to find the nicest cars that I could. And that was the level I was shooting for. And, and so I remember when Boyd uh, did that yellow, what are this yellow 32? I can't remember what they call them, the Maroc type style of roasters. And, uh, and he had that at Louisville. And, and I spent hours going over it. And just just looking at fit, and so you know, I I, I kind of took a lot of fit and finish from anybody that was building something that was just as perfect as possible, you know. And, and not that I could ever be that way, but I mean that's what you set out to do, and 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 you, you come up short, but you're always you're striving for that. But um, but to me, it was always it was always about proportion and stance. And so if a car, to me, if a car doesn't look good from 20 feet away, it doesn't matter what it looks like up close. I mean, it doesn't matter if the screws are all aligned and, and all that stuff because it, because it doesn't look good from, from the right distance away, you know? And so, so I was, so that was always important. I don't know why, but that was always important to me that the, the wheel tire and, and the way the car set, um, you know, and, and then, and then try not to make it look like a Christmas tree. I mean, I, I always feel like I don't want you to, to, to see any one thing. I mean, if you stand and look at the car, I hope you see the whole car. Yep. And then if you look at it for a while, you start noticing things, but it takes you a while. 
you know, you, if, if, if to me, if, you, if you're looking at the car and you see something right away, it's like uh, probably not good. And there's there's it's probably it's standing <laughs> out instead of flying in, you know, and 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 then I always just looked at I was always big on uh, gauge panels. I just loved the old original style gauge panels and stuff. And, and so even like the like George's five window, you know, that was one of the first uh, classic, you know, luckily John bought classic instruments. You know John McLeod, and when he did, uh, I met him. I, I met him shortly after he got it, and and talked to him about doing a forty panel. But I didn't want to put the five gauges in it. You know, I wanted to use an original panel. Can we do our own gauges and and maybe put our own fonts and that kind of stuff? The previous owner, I talked to him about doing it. He didn't even want to do as much as change the pointer color. You know, he just kind of had his thing, and that was what it was going to be. And and so when John got it, it was like, oh my God, the world just turned upside down. You know, and. And so we did the panel for George's five window, and uh, that was a neat little 40 gauge panel. Then we did the, the one off panel for Alan Button's three window. Dude, um, my favorite gauge ever. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that one on Alan's car. Holy crap, I love that. That was, you know, that was so cool, you know, and, and but that was all John. I mean, John, you know, and, and uh, it, he was he was just open to giving stuff a try and, and that to me was just huge because I always looked at it like when you looked in the car, you looked at the interior. I want you, I want you to see the the material should bl- kind of blend in. I mean, it, to me, it should all kind of just be there. If if anything, if anything, you look around, you see the dash, the gauge panel should fit the car, but look pretty cool, you know. And 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 of course, whatever kind of steering wheel you got on it needs to be the right wheel. Um, but but it was you know the big picture was to me you know twenty feet away. You should be able to walk around that car and not see anything but a car. Um, and it ought to, ought to have the, you know, the, the big tires in the back and the little ones in the front. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> sidewall. We like sidewall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and but everybody's got their own thing. I mean, you know, I, as much as I feel like there's a right and wrong, but the thing is, I want want I want to go to show and all the cars look like the cars I build. I mean, it's just like a Corvette show. You know, a '63 Corvette's cool to look at. 50 of them gets pretty old, you know, and, and yeah. you know, so it, it's good to, you know, I appreciate, I mean, I, I appreciate all the styles out there. I, I remember a couple of years back at the Grand National Roaster show, uh, walking through the lowrider building and there was a car <laughs> in there. And I, you know, now I can't hardly remember anything about it. So, of course, it was probably like a 62 Chevy 63 or something like that, 64, but the car was just numbingly, unbelievably nice. It was, oh, yeah. and, and again, it had the crazy paint, everything. You just look at it and you're thinking, how many years did it take to paint this thing? Yep. It was done. And I remember talking to Hot Rodders and they all saw that car. You know, it was, it was the car that nobody, you would never think Hot Rodder guys would be talking about. And they were, you know, it was, it was that unbelievable. And, and you just got to give the guy credit, you know. If it's not your thing or not, but you still had to say, holy crap, man, that thing is nice. It was. It's funny you mention that. The lowrider building at the Grand National is one of my favorite places to go. And I would never build a lowrider of my own. I would never. It's not really my style. But I go in there and look at the creativity and the quality of what those guys do. And it is just mind-blowing. It is, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's funny. You know, but. When you start talking about some of your cars, I remember the one car that you did that I got a chance to really get up on close close to and make a bunch of laps around was the was George's Orange Coupe. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was at the Grand National. 
And somehow I got uh, separated from everybody. And at that point, I really didn't care <laughs> because I just started walking around that car. It, it was on a display on its own, and I got a chance to do a bunch of laps around it. Then, thank you, whoever did it, they built had a build book that was there that showed all the things that was done to it. So I would look to the build book, and there would be one thing, oh, he shortened the grill shell. I'd walk and look at the grill shell. You know, oh, look, he, he re, re-centered the front wheel and the wheel opening. I'd go and look at that. And that car uh, just blew me away at all of the subtle changes that had been done to it. And, man, I just great job on that car. Thanks. That one, um, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I, cut, I think I cut a half inch or three quarters out of the shell. What was that um, like to do, to cut on a, on a 34 grill <laughs> shell? It's like, man, I sure hope this works. <laughs> it was scarier now because I'm always good at you know, I, I tell you, I can, I can mark something, I can look at it for a week. And the minute I cut it, I realized that was not the place I should have cut it. You know, I, it don't matter how long <laughs> I wait. It's five <laughs> minutes later is when, is when I'm going to figure it out, you know. So I was pretty nervous. I had that thing marked off for a long time before I actually made the cuts because I thought I do not, you know, you're short enough damn bars and everything. And, and Nobody's uh, really done that before. What was it that told you, I need to shorten this grill shell. I need to kind of pie cut the front of this car. It works just so well. Well, you know, it was one of these. I just, I was, I just couldn't get the hood to sit right. I mean, it, you just, I kept mock, I mocked the hood up, I mocked the, well, you know, the front fenders. In fact, I'll back up the front fenders on that car. She had never done a thirty-four, and and the thing is, like, like I said earlier, I mean, you think you know until you build one. You really don't, you know, until you build a couple cars of that type of car. You you really don't know them very well, you know, and and so I I got my jig and I. And I set the body up on the jig and I set the frame underneath it. And I remember that day. I'll never forget the day I, I'm going to figure out where I want to put the wheels and tires, you know. And I got the front tires underneath the, underneath the fenders. And it's like there was no place to put them. I mean, it, if because, you know, the, the tops of the metal yeah. and the tops of the bead are two different places. That's right. The crown of the fender and the wheel opening are in two different spots. They're, they're like an inch apart. Yeah. And, and, the, and the problem is, is the crown is forward and the bead is behind. So the problem is if you if you move that tire forward to fit up in the crown where you'd think you'd want to have it, well, it was so far forward in the bead that it just looked silly. But the minute you rolled it back, it looked like oh, even worse yet, you you put it behind where it should be. I mean, that's that would be that you know that's the death knell right there. And so I remember looking at that and I and, and I keep doing something else and and then come back to it, try you know I like to like to keep walking away. I don't want to you know make a decision right away and. and and every time I come back and look at it, it's like, this is not, I just can't. And so that's when I just rolled it forward, cut the bead out of the fender, moved it, moved the bead. And it was like, oh my God, well, you know, you forget. I kind of forgot about it, you know? And well, what happened is I, we parked next to, I had it parked right next to another really, really nice 34 at Columbus. And it was side by side. And so I'm standing there, the guy's talking to me and he's, and he's asking me about what I did on the front fenders. And at no more than he said that, and I'm standing a little ways away from the car so I can look at the 34 and then I can look at the next one next to it. And it's like, when you saw it, it was night and day. I mean, it was, yeah. it was like, oh my, you know, mine, the, the orange one didn't look fabulous. It's like the other one looked really bad. I mean, it, just because, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I'm not knocking that car, you know, but I'm saying is that, you know, I, I didn't make something look great. I just fixed it, uh, you know, and, yeah. and, and he looked at other one. It's like, Oh, see, that's, that's what it's normally going to look like. And, and, and it was kind of the same with the shell. And I don't know why, but 
you know, I, I put the hood on the thing and it was just like, you could not get that body line. You know, you never want to climb uphill. And, and, right. and so, you know, I'm looking at that and it's, it, it killed me to start cutting because I'm thinking I'm doing something wrong. You know, something's not right, but it just, it, I just couldn't, it wasn't going to happen. And then finally I, I knew if, you know, I play with that shell, I moved that shell down a little bit and it's like, this looks like it fixes everything just by a little bit, you know? And, and I think it was, I think it was three quarters of an inch. And, and not a lot, but a lot when it comes to a hood. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was just night and day. That, that car was so much fun. I, you know, we took it to Indy to do the hot rod of the year thing and just got to just tear the hell out of it. And it was fun. It was, it was really funny because I'd never actually driven a car in a drag strip before. And so, um, you know, I, I was peppering, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy that was running the event. Um, uh, Oh, Brandon Flannery was one of them working for good guys. And then Kirk was the other. And, uh, you know, and we were doing the big drive. You got to do about 150 mile drive or whatever it was. And then you end up, you end up at the drag strip and you, they want to see you run the car and all that, you know? And, and so I was asking questions about doing a burnout and everything. And I think they thought I was going to just really, you know, I was getting kind of scared and all this kind of stuff, you know? And, <laughs> and, uh, and my son was riding with me and, and, and we pull up to do the burnout or whatever. And I'd like flip the switch and just hammered the shit out of it. And I looked at my, I could see in the review mirror, I could see Brandon's face behind the car. And he's looking across at, at, um, at Kirk with his mouth wide open. His eyes just <laughs> I, I, I don't think they ever saw that coming. Man, I, I thought, I'm going down in flames and we're going to make George proud, you know? And, uh, but that car, man, that car ran. That car ran really well. It was a 425 nail hood. And it was a, that was a crate. It was a brand new in a crate 425. I don't know the whole story and how it ended up where it was, but, um, but we got it from a guy um, out in California that does nail heads. And I, my, his name escapes me now, Martin or something like that. But, uh, but it was just a, such a nice engine. That thing ran yeah. so good. Good looking car. You know, and I always was going to ask, when the car debuted, it didn't have hood sides on it. And then later on, the hood sides came along. And the hood sides, to me, made it just completed the car. But yeah. was there a reason why the hood sides weren't ready? It just, just didn't make it in time? or No, no, it was it was kind of... You were still uh, wet sanding them? Louvers? <laughs> no kidding. Probably, no. <laughs> what it was, is, see, I built the car. I built the car to be able to run without hood sides and look nice. You know, so, so I made a whole different hood mechanism um, the latching system, everything is all unique so that when the, when the hood sides off, the latching mechanism is underneath the hood top. You know, normally when you have a, like a hood side, that's permanent like that, you know, it wasn't attached to the, to the hood tops. Usually you see the bar that they attach to. Well, um, I had made a setup so that it fit up above the belt line. So what I wanted to do, my goal was to try to get the car seen with that engine. Cause I thought that engine, that nail head with the, Pillboard ejected nail head. I thought it was such a cool oh, looking yeah. engine. So I thought I, my intention was to get it seen with that engine a little bit. I, I realized that it looks better with hood sides, but I wanted to know there was something cool underneath there before it was all hidden up, you know, all hidden. So I, I so I intentionally tried to do a little bit without the hood sides on it, and then and then from then on, once people kind of knew the car, you got the hood sides on, and then it, you know, but everybody kind of knows what's there. It was kind of like Floyd Williams Roadster, you know, that car was had a hood. From day That's right. Yep. You know, and and and, uh, and and you know, what's funny about that one is that I had 
painted the hood tops on that car, but never painted the hood sides and convinced them, why don't you run without a hood for a while? That it looks so badass with that. And we'll put the hood on it whenever you're ready. No problem, you know. And then hoping he would never want to put the hood on it because then I'd never have to paint the hood sides and sand it buffalo louvers. Well, a couple of years back, he finally, you know, said, okay, let's put the hood on it, you know. And so I had to do that. Um, but that was kind of the same thing. They always look better with hoods on them. But when you got a injected, a Hillboard injected engine, that looks pretty cool yeah. for a while without them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that was kind of that. That was the thought behind it. That, that's all. Yeah. Love that car. You know, and I'm not even a huge fan of the Halibrand kidney beam, the little tiny window wheels, but it just works perfect on that car. <laughs> I thought so. I thought that was a, a different wheel, but still kind of a, a, a right, a correct wheel, you know? No, it works. It it works. I mean, to me, those wheels will only work on a, on a 40 Willys gasser, but on that car, there was a perfect choice. Well, you're right. That is a good wheel on a 40 wheel gasser, too. Yeah. That's a, that's, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was a that was a fun fun car pass, you know. And, and see, and there again, I tried, you know, my theory with cars, you know, there again, when you start on one, you kind of want to know what was the backstory, you know. And and you know, I actually started building a car for Rich Staff. He owns the the car I built for the gentleman in 2002. That that car between, you know, after George's Roadster, I built a, a little Roadster that, um, anyway, Rich Staff owns. He's out in Washington State. Well, uh, I started this 34 for him before he sold it to George. Um, and, and, you know, the whole thought behind the car was, is what would you have built in, say, 1969, 1970, um, if, you, if you just had enough money? Usually you never had enough money to build a car back then. So if you had enough money to build the way you wanted and you had the patience to do it, and maybe just a little more taste than you used to have back in the late 60s, you know, and see, so didn't get all crazy. <laughs> But, um, but that was kind of the theory behind that car. So that's why the frame was black. Now, it was as, it was the, as smooth as I could make it. It was really slick and everything. But it was a black frame, thinking that's what you'd probably paint it back then. You know, it just wouldn't paint it as nice as I did. But, but um, that was the whole, you know, and it had a, had a uh, five-speed in it. But it was a, um, God, it was like a Doug Nash or whatever. I mean, it was, it, you know, it's a real shifter type. It's not a Tramac. So, uh, you know, Rich, that was what Rich wanted. He, he wanted to, you want to know your shift in this car when you do, you know, and, and, uh, and then we, I don't know if you know about the gauges or not, but, you know, we put green line gauges, but we had a, a classic make us a larger speedometer, um, that was never made, but it looks like a, looks like a four and a half, four and three quarter inch green line speedometer. Um, but it was really kind of a neat gauge setup. Oh, green line gauges then. I remember how the tack was mounted on it. I really liked the way that was all done up on the top side of the of the dash, which you didn't never really see on one of those type of cars, but it just works really well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I, I love that car. God, that thing was so much fun. My my old my youngest son, he was the one that was with me when we raced it, and that's the one that he if he could get one back, that's the one he wants. <laughs> <laughs> you just you couldn't help but just every time you shifted, you just. You know, you know, some cars you get in, you just can't help. You just want to go fast. Yeah. That was one of them. Yeah, a 33 or 34 has always kind of been one of my bucket list cars. That car inspired me so much. I have a build book, a binder, with as much information as I could harvest out of anything, any article I could find on that car, and I put it away on a shelf. I said, one of these days, if I ever build these things, these are some of the ingredients that I'm going to try to maybe work towards or try to utilize some of these ideas 
I just like it. It just worked out really well. Cool. Don't ever hesitate to call Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, on all your builds, do you have a favorite part of your build? I mean, do you like the mock-up stage? Do you like the final install stage? Or is there any time when you're really having the most fun? You know it's not the louvers. No, you know, you know, the thing is that this is where I've been kind of lucky, too, is that um, I, I like doing all the stages, but usually I'm tired of them by the time it's by the time I'm done, you know, like, like building a chassis. I, I couldn't, you know, in other words, what I couldn't do is I couldn't specialize in something because um, it gets pretty tough after a while, not monotonous as much as draining. So it, it was fun as, you know, I, I you build them basically, I usually just start with two frame rails. And uh, I built the jig so that I can just build the car on that. And by the time I'm done building the chassis, I'm kind of done building the chassis for a while. You know, I did. It, it it doesn't come naturally to me. So every bracket is like is brutal for me. And and so, uh, you know, same thing with the exhaust. By the you know, it takes me a long time to build the exhaust. And and by the time the exhaust is done, I'm glad I don't have to do another one for a while. So <laughs> I think the funnest part is the beginning of every one of those processes. You know, and and, yeah. and as that process wears on, like painting, especially painting is the worst. By the time I'm done painting, I don't want to paint, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll paint nothing, don't, you know, for a while. And, and by the time, by the time the next one's getting ready to be painted, I'm kind of looking forward to it. And then, uh, and, and so it, it, what's nice about building a complete car is you get to go through so many different phases. You know, I, I've got some other friends that don't do anything like this. And they'll, uh, this one guy stops out and he just cannot believe that I could work on the same car for three years. And I feel like, I haven't, I haven't been building a car for three years. I've been building pieces and parts for three years. The last 30 days is when it's really, you know, our last 60 days is when it actually starts looking like a car. So, you know, I've been just doing projects, you know, the car I'm doing now, uh, we just passed three years, um, last month and, and it hasn't felt like the car until the last couple months. So, you know, the, the fabrication's fun. I just wish it was easier for me. You know, there's guys that, that can look at a bracket and, and just, I'm just amazed at what some people can just, just come out of their head and just, Oh my God, you know, I, there's a handful of people that are just magicians to me, you know? And, and to me, it is just, it is just a brutal struggle when I got point A and point B and I got to join it. You know, it's like, it's like, I know all the cool stuff when I see it, but God, it's so hard for me to, to, to come up with it, you know? And, and so I always fantasize about building the chassis and by the time I'm done, I'm like brutally exhausted and, and, <laughs> anxious to you know to, to do something else you know and then same thing with the wiring I, I love i love doing the wiring but uh, by the time i pull the last wire it's like oh man am i glad i don't do that again for a while and and so you know I, I, that's the fun part about doing it all yourself and and um and and you know you get some variety in a long-term long-term project you know Having had the opportunity to work with you before, and one of my favorite things about you is the way you go about color. You know, at what point do you envision the color of the car? Well, up until this car we're doing now, usually it's very beginning. <laughs> and, 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 and uh, but, but, you know, there again, um, because I've, I've, I don't want to say turned cars away, but I've, I've helped people find other builders that fit better. If they want to paint a car or something, you know, I, I'm pretty straightforward in, in colors. Let's put it that way. I mean, it's, you know, the kind of cars I'm going to build, 
you're only going to probably paint them a certain handful of colors. Right. Um, I've always admired um, Roger Ward. Uh, he's always had, he's always, he's always been bland when bland wasn't cool, you know, and, and, <laughs> and I say that with the, with the utmost respect. I mean, I, I uh, some of the cars that he's done have lasted way past the, the, t- the test of time because he didn't get all flamboyant and that kind of thing, you know, and, 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 uh, and so in my eyes, you know, the, there again, just the style of car I build, it's only going to be a handful of colors and they're not going to be, they're not going to be crazy colors, you know? And, and so I think it's pretty easy, you know, I've, I've had, you know, like I said, I've had a couple of people that wanted to, you know, maybe their wife or whoever, you know, liked a certain color or whatever. And, and that's great. And I don't want to convince them not to do it. But, you know, but I, but it, as hard as it is to build a car and hard as it is to paint it, I can't be doing a color that I'm not into. You know, you, you got to put your heart and soul in this. And, and if you're not into it, then, then you're not the right guy. You're not going to give them what they deserve, you know. And, and so, I don't know. I, I, I like muted stuff. But there again, it comes tough for me. You know, people like, you know, like Brian, I mean, you know, this stuff is so... You know, second nature to you you know I, what you put together just like a, you know i struggle with you know it's so hard and, i'll uh, trade you <laughs> oh, believe me if i had your drawing ability oh my god you, you'd be you'd be terminally depressed um <laughs> i can't do a good stick man i mean you, you know i see it in my head and when I go to put it on paper, it's just like that is not what I'm seeing in my head. How come it just doesn't doesn't work? You know, I I, I, I admire the artist, man. I, I just I cannot, for the life of me, cannot do that. And it's amazing the guys that can that can pull that off. Yeah, we trade it all, and I, I, see see what you do though is you take the goofy thing that we can put down on paper and you turn it into that reality. So it's always, I always wonder, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at this. I always see it, you know, when I, when I see the finished car, to me, it's surreal because, you know, in my head, I'm imagining things from every single angle, but it's not a real car in my head. It's, it's like almost a series of drawings and just individual parts. Mm-hmm. When you see it in person, it's, it's just this very kind of otherworldly thing where you're kind of almost like floating around the car and checking it out in person. I, I mean, so now for you, on the other hand, do you see the completed car in your head from the get-go? Or is it kind of that work in progress where it's you have a general idea of where it is, and as you're getting closer, it, it's really starting to gel in your mind, and they say, bam, this is the finished version. This is what I'm going to build. Um, uh, you know, I thought about that a lot, and, and really the let's see what's the best way to put this i see the concept i i i I, like i said when george when we did the five windows for instance that that black and yellow you know the black five window with the yellow white interior he gave me a steering wheel and said we're going to build a car around the steering wheel it's a 40 ford wheel um and actually it's a red one uh but he but he said we're going to build it we're going to put a 40 dash we're going to use this steering wheel we're going to put wires on it and that's all he said. And I could then, then it was, then I just ran with it from there. I could do anything I wanted to do. Well, in my head, those three things are going to dictate everything I do. So, you know, the answer to your question is, you know, I didn't, I didn't see the, the details of the car, 
but I saw the concept. I saw, you know, it was the same thing with the sedan delivery. I mean, he, you know, the goal was we're going to try to build the most stark, basic, no frills whatsoever, and then make it as nice as possible. You know, there was not even carpet in it, rubber floor mats, but we're going to sink them in the floor, you know, that kind of thing. And so, so then what happens is that everything you do, it's, it's easy when you're, when you're trying, when you're looking at an area that you got to work on, it's easy to, to build it because it's got because it, it's going to fit into the concept of the car. So, so, you know, say on the, for instance, on the sedan delivery, you know, the interior, okay, you know, what are we going to do for the inside, you know, for the firewall, I put a second firewall in the car and made it all look like it was the, the steel one from the outside, make it look like it was just one firewall and then, and then just make it really look nice. And so everything you bolted onto it would look like something that came out of the factory. Just the only thing you're doing different is you're finishing it just as nice as you can. And so, you know, so every bracket you make, you get, you kind of got that feel of where you're headed. So, you know, to me, that's, that's why the most important thing is that same with the 34 in my eyes, we're building a car that we built in 69. So, you know, you kind of got to get in that frame of mind. You're just going to do it nicer. So then the gauges, we'll put a chrome roll bar in it. You know, Rich found the steering wheel. It was like the perfect steering wheel that you'd bought back then. There again, it was a cheap ass steering wheel, but that's what you would have used. But it was really nice, you know. And, and so I, I think in that respect, um, that's what I see, I, you know, because, you know, some of these guys, they just, I just see it. You know, and, and I always thought, how oh, the cool thing, if you already know what it's going to look like. But but it but knowing the concept, I think, is just as important. If if you know what the thought behind the reason why you're building the car, then and you just keep remembering that. And you don't drag it out. And you're not, you know, and there again, the difference, you got to remember the difference of the cars I'm building is I'm not trying to chase the latest and greatest thing. Uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to put the, the, the neatest, coolest wheel. I'm using wheels that have been around for 34 years, you know, so, so it, it, it makes it that kind of thing is so much easier in that respect because now you're, because you got to make sure that the parts that you're not making, you're assembling the right parts of the ones that you are buying or using from the past. And, and so as long as you kind of follow that theme, you know, the car should be cohesive and, and, uh, and make sense. Long answer again. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> this is so, great because you're explaining everything. This is, this is how it's supposed to be. That's awesome. That's wow. a great answer. <laughs> all right. But as much as you guys think, oh, my God, we asked guy a question. You know, you can give us a short answer once. <laughs> no, that this is. Oh, no, no. This oh, is what okay. makes the show fun. I mean, I, yeah. I'll sit here all night long and listen to you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but that's you know, to me, that's and that's why a lot of times you can see when a car has been built over ten year time or fifteen year time. Sometimes you can see that you know a good builder can can hide that, but um, but that makes it tough. If you're trying to build something's current, you gotta build it fast, you know, it, it, because everything you're doing is time stamped. And, uh, is, whereas, and that's why I, that was another reason why I kind of, I got lucky falling into the niche I did. You know, I, I really wasn't a, I don't want to say I wasn't a 32 guy. I've always loved 32s, but hey, truthfully, I only built one before I built George's Green Grocery. I built mine and mine was, you know, mine was built 90 days. It was a Westcott body. And I mean, I start to finish, it was a 90 day deal. And, uh, and I scratch built the frame on it and everything. It was, it was nuts. And so when he, when he, 
you know, we decided to do that green roadster. I mean, I had a lot to learn, but I got lucky the fact that that's what he wanted. And I, and it, and I realized this is, this could pave the road for me in longevity and a good niche for me to be in, you know, and it, and it just so happened that I had, I got three 32s lined up and it just, and it just worked out well that way. And, and, uh, you know, it, I don't know, it worked out well. <laughs> I never would have thought <laughs> because, you know, there again, I built my wagon before. I mean, it, you know, cause as a kid, you know, at my age, I mean, I, I always liked late sixties, early seventies cars, you know, and, and, uh, I mean, I had a 69 Nova for a while. My cousin had that 70 Chevelle SS. I always, I remember seeing a yellow Chevelle at the pool when I was a little kid, probably in third or fourth grade and riding my bike to the pool. And he had Mickey Thompson's on it. That's why I'll never forget those wheels and tires. Like Craig, SS's with Mickey Thompson's on it. And, uh, and that car was like, that was it. That thing was so cool. Jacked way up in the back. You know, it was, it was, yeah. it was the car of the period, you know? And so, yeah. you know, that would have been the car. I would have, those were the cars I would have, I would have, you know, fell to, but, but those weren't people paying to build cars like that, especially in, in 2000, you know, and, 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 uh, 2001, when I started doing this full time, you know, and so, so, you know, I just kind of fell into 32. I love 32s, but I, but it wasn't something I, you know, it just, it just worked out to where, wow, this is a perfect niche to be in. These are great customers and, and guys that have been in hot rodding forever. And, and, uh, and I, and, and, you know, I don't know. They're just they're just badass cars, and I always thought the Roadster thirty two Roadster quarter panel is like the prettiest thing. I mean, it, you know, and and uh, that's why when we put them on the five window, I thought that was so cool because they just that took the Model A out of a five window. You know, that little area right there kind of has a Model A feel, uh, and yeah, it does. Uh, and by putting that Roadster quarter on, you know, it was like the, the whole you know. It just it just changed that car, you know, in the most subtle way, and and uh, and I think we chopped that car like one inch, I think, and 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 uh, and that was another thing that was kind of funny at, at Indy when we took it there, and uh, I had a guy with a five window come over and he says, you know, I've got a five window just like this, it's identical to this car, and I don't know why your car looks different. He went God has he parked it right next to the five window. He starts looking at, me. I said, you know, we we did cut the roof a little bit. Oh, you're kidding me! I did, you know, and then he realized it and. and so it's one of those things you'd never know, but it looked a little bit better. If you could have a, a client come to you with, what would be your dream project? What, what's something, or should I say, just what's your most off the expected path, the most non-Dave Lane build possible? Well, you know, first I would have, I would have set up until, you know, I mean, every car I've done has been a dream because at first, you know, I, I, I got to build a, 30, a steel 32 Roadster. That to me was just I could not believe it, you know. And and then uh, and then I then I was working on a thirty-two three window. I could not believe I had a thirty-two three window in the shop when I did Alan Button's car. You know, I can't believe I'm allowed to even touch this, much less I'm building it. You know, and 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 so then that and then, then of course doing the sedan delivery for George. That to me was like, oh my god, you know, it doesn't get any better, you know. And and then so every car has been like that. And so, you know, I've kind of, you know, I always wanted to do a, a B400, but I've kind of lost the feel for that. I, I, I used to think that was, you know, George and I had a bunch of drawings done up and we were getting real close to doing one. And, and, uh, and, and I don't know, I, I kind of lost the feel for that. But, you know, when you, when you ask that, you know, what I used to think that I would love to do is I'd love to like do a restoration on a Delahaye. Yeah. The ones with the big chrome trim across the bottom of the fenders. Um, <laughs> They're gorgeous cars. And in fact, one time I remember looking at a Hemmings and I thought, you know, 
well, I should try to get one. If I could find a clapped out one and restore it, you know. Clapped out. This thing is a dick would pick it back out of it, okay? It was so bad. <laughs> 300 grand they wanted. <laughs> it's like, okay, so that's not happening. <laughs> it was like, you know, it was junk. It was junk. It was like, you know, but um, I think those things are just the most gorgeous you know and it'd be fun to it'd be fun to me to, to restore something like that and just try to make it just perfect you know and and, and uh but you know that won't that that won't ever happen <laughs> i just restored i've got a 65 mustang fastback that i a cape code car and i did a restoration on that for myself and and i thought a restoration would be kind of a fun challenge i'd never done anything like that before and, and uh and i found out on, on those kind of cars it wasn't fun at all because uh, I thought that was like a right and wrong answer. I thought there's one way to do it. So I'm going to make this thing the best one that's ever been done. You know, that kind of, you're not good. I mean, I knew I couldn't, but that's what you're going to try to do. And, and, and then you find out there was 10 different ways of doing a certain thing. And they're all arguing about which way is the right way. And chances are there's probably 10 different ways it was done anyway. And so, you know, you kind of find out there was no right and wrong answer. So I kind of lost my you know, the, the taste to ever do that again. But, but Adela, hey, I think those things are just, for a non-hot rod, they're, they're just, I don't know, they're just liquid. You know, I think they're just, you know, I, I know Rick Doerr's been, you know, doing a bunch of what he's been doing, and, and, and those are pretty cars and stuff. But but that real Adela, hey, I think is almost untouchable. You know, I, they're in the league of their own, in, in my eyes. I, I think they're just, just phenomenal. And that would be, that would be the one if, if somebody came to me and, and wanted to do something like that, I, you know, that would be a neat, a pretty cool, crazy challenge. That would be awesome. And I don't know if we have any listeners that have one, but hey, uh, if you do, you happen to have a, uh, a roached out uh, <laughs> delay. Delay laying in the backyard. You know. How would big and little Halibrands look on it? <laughs> <laughs> Hillborn injected Delahaye. Although you got me thinking, when you mentioned the Mustang, I'm going, I almost want to put together an episode now where we can gather a bunch of guys who worked on at different shifts on the line for, say, like, you know, 65 Mustang or a Corvette assembly line and get these guys together just to figure out what they did different on their shifts and kind of put an end to all those questions. That's what you do. Have, have you ever looked at the the blogs and stuff? You know, you go to the forums. Yeah. Oh, it's and, funny. And, it's you know, messed up. There's it's, so many. It's crazy. I go on the Camaro forums, and man, it can be frustrating. <laughs> well, you know, and, and the thing is, at first, you know, I kind of laugh and chuckle, and like it's just like a bunch of school kids fighting, you know. And, but but you know, and they're sixty five year old guys, and they're they're fighting like little kids. But but when you really think about it, I don't blame them because because one guy. Has, has been doing this for 45 years. He's got, he's, he's seen, you know, he's got 45 in his junkyard collection and he's got a whole bunch of other ones. He's, he's the, he's the expert. And then you got another guy that worked at the factory arguing with them, telling them how they did it. And they're yeah. probably both right, you know, and, and that's what you kind of felt bad about is, yeah. is, you know, there's a point where you become knowledgeable about, you're going to fight about what you're, because you know, you know, and, and so that was what was kind of discouraging for me is that, you know, I, you know, I, I learned, okay, there's three factories and, and mine was done in Medigen and, and mine was like done in June 11th. Um, and so March was a totally different car. You know, I mean, it, it, it and, and the bolts you use in the fender could have changed midweek 
you know, and, and see, so you, you get all that kind of stuff. And, and so it was one of these where I just thought there was just like, a, you know, I got all the books and I thought I'm going to nail this thing. And then you find out, oh, my God, it is a moving, you know, and, and unfortunately, the car I got was pretty rough all apart. You know, then I realized that the only way to do this is you got to find a perfectly original car and then just yeah. take it apart and lightly clean it, you know, and, and, and then you got to because you can find all your markings and stuff and and and, uh, and go about, you know, I mean, it, it was a fun thing. And the fact that you, I learned so much, but I also learned that it's it's tough to to do a perfect one because there's going to be somebody that tells you that's not how it was done, even if you know it for sure that's how it was done you know there's going to be somebody that tells you that's not right and i think fords can be a bit of a challenge too because ford was pretty uh notorious for changing things midstream yeah you, know, you go into a parts store and you got a ford you better know what month that thing was made <laughs> you're exactly right yeah you're exactly right you know we always used to laugh because ford ford's old motto was oh ford we have a better idea yeah okay you just stop changing it yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we're going to invoke our better idea tomorrow, you know, and just yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, keep getting better ideas. It's like, oh, wait a minute here. You know? Yeah. But you're right. I mean, that, that I did find that out, too. And, and there's a guy, in fact, I got the book right here. There's a guy that wrote, um, show, no, where is that? Tony Gregory asked the hydrophones. Oh, no, I don't have it. I don't have that book here. Um, there's like this big, thick book on, on, um, on engines, on Ford engines. And it's just a small, you know, I can't remember the years and all the changes, this guy, I can't, he must be insane because it's, it's just like an inch thick and he goes through every change. And, and when they did it, it's like, Oh my God, buddy, I don't know how, you know, and then he's got the back of it, the list of corrections they had to do after the printing or whatever, you know, and, that's cool. and it's just like, Oh my God, this guy didn't quit. He just kept on and on. And, and I, I can't believe, I mean, that, I, I, it was amazing, but you're right. I mean, it just made so many changes. And if you don't know everything, yeah. good yeah. luck. I mean, it's, it's, and that's how that car was. You know, I, I, uh, in fact, I, I took it out. We have a place out in Queen Creek and, uh, and I took it out there over Christmas and left it. I got to drive it and drove it all out there. You know, the time I was out there for Christmas for about a week and, and, and it's such a fun car to just race around. And it's a pretty quick little car. And, and, uh, and so I, I'm anxious that when I could get back out there again and, and drive it some more, it, you know, it's just an old, it's just totally original. I mean, I put better shocks on it, but I'm paying them so you can't tell. But other than that, you know, it's, it's just a little restoration. So it's just like little sweet little 65 out of the factory, you know. And, well, you know, it's only a couple miles away from here. You could, uh, you know, you could always leave it at, you know, Brian's house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's only got one car in his garage. He's got room for it. He's <laughs> throwing it out there. Because you're in Queen Creek, aren't you? I'm, I'm in Gilbert. Yeah, right right, up, right by the Queen Creek border, I guess, if you want to put it, as where the two kind of meld together because we don't have like a border war between the Queen Creekites okay. and oh, yeah. <laughs> the Gilbertonians. <laughs> oh. Well, then we're not very far apart. Uh, you guys want to hug and get it over with? <laughs> we have a special fist bump we're doing right Slumber now. Slumber party! <laughs> well, I wish I was there right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably warmer at Brian's house oh than it is at your God. house. I'm we're sure. getting hammered. We're getting hammered right now again. Oh. A bunch of snow. Well, while you're digging out, just know that I'll be down here swapping Delahaye fenders onto that fast <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's 
that's going to end the whole problem is to, if you have the right wheel covers or not. Nobody's ever going to know. There you go. Yeah. He's going to put cougar tail lights on it and tell everybody it's a Shelby. <laughs> yeah, the best part is I'm going to put them in, to put them in the rear window. <laughs> it's a midweek car. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the other thing is they were building them so fast that they didn't care. I mean, they were just you know cranking them out and and you know they were they weren't the best built cars as it was. So no, who knows what they really did, you know. But yeah, I, I just looked it up. A thirty-eight Delahay. I think that's one of them. That's uh, pretty pretty amazing looking car. It's a good start. Yep, that ain't gonna happen. But uh, <laughs> they are—they're a beautiful piece. Jeez. But yeah, I've been, I've been fortunate enough that the, the cars that I've built basically have all been kind of mine, anyway. So I—I've uh, kind of been able to, to just build my dream cars and and. Um, and and the owners they they luckily they wanted the same thing so it's it's always worked out pretty well you know because I always thought too, you know what's what's interesting is if you talk to a builder and and you're looking at a car they built and they'll say well that's what the owner wanted to do I mean there's a there he's saying a lot right there you know typically when he's saying it I mean it depends on how he says it if, if it's on, a, on something that you said oh my god that is so cool and stuff you know but a lot of times you could say well you know why'd you do that right there well that's what the owner wanted well he's, he's saying that you know he didn't have a choice he you know wasn't <laughs> consulted or whatever and, and uh he's forced to do that and, and i've i've never if you ever ask me about any cars i've done i've never i've never said that i've never um you know i i, I own up to everything that's been done even if the owner suggests you know if, so something the owner wanted, that's great. But I, I luckily I've never had to do something that I didn't I didn't I wasn't behind hundred percent. I mean I we've always been on the same sheet of music and, and to me that's key. You know, if you're not, it's not a good thing. I remember Barry telling uh telling some stories, you know, and the one time a guy said he wanted a car, anything but black, you know, he wanted whatever color he wanted and 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 and, and Barry painted a car. The the guy did not want the color, you know, and but Barry insisted that's what color, you know, and, and and very new colors. I mean, you know, so, you know, you're right. But the problem was, is that you just wish the owner wants the same thing. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is you don't want to force the owner to do something they don't want to do, but you kind of, but you hope they want to do the same thing so that you're not making a mistake. Yeah. You know, and that's what, that's what George, that's what's good about George. I mean, that, you know, he is, he is so smart about that is that he gives the builder enough rope and then you can do with it what you want you know you can hang yourself with it or uh or you can work and make it to your advantage and and then that's up to you and, and so uh you know he's smart about that he, he 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 picks builders according to what kind of style of car he's thinking about he doesn't force them to do stuff that the, the, you know outside of their expertise more or less and then because the first car i built for him was kind of funny i i'd ask him questions and everything in that roadster because i just figured he's done a bunch of these things and so you know okay what kind of rear end do you want to use what do you want you know and i just email him these questions and finally i get one back that says boy you ask a lot of questions don't you and i'm thinking <laughs> that is not good I mean, you know, that, and, and from then on i stopped i uh, i thought oh you know and he always said if i if, if, if you gotta ask me then why don't i pick you you know should be able to figure this stuff out and, and uh so I, I took that to heart that was and 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 so that's you know you, you know and that's where i've been kind of lucky with the customers and, and that's where good i think smart people would be better off is you, you find the builder you gotta you gotta trust them 
and uh, and then you got to know that they want the same thing you do, and then you should let them go. And and you put all the burden, you know, you put all the burden on the builder's shoulders, and you're going to get good work if they care, because it's their name on it. And uh, you know, if 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 the owner wants to take a lot of the responsibility as the build goes on, then you know it, it makes it you know um, flaws get okayed. I guess would be the best way to put it. You know, if if uh, like George never sees the cars that I would do until they were done. You know, he he hardly ever saw any car in building in in progress. And so if there was something wrong. It's not his fault. I mean, he didn't bless off on it. You know, I didn't show him, say, hey, what do you think about that? Is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. Well, you know, if none of that's going on during the build, then when it's finished and something doesn't fit right, you know, he's not the kind of guy that's going to say bad things or nothing, but there's no excuse for it. I mean, you know, and so if you're a builder that cares, there's there's no excuse for why that didn't panel doesn't line up. He wasn't standing over you telling you to hurry up. He wasn't, you know, that's all on you. So, you know, I think uh, a lot of people could kind of learn from that, you know, you, but you got to you got to pick a guy that that, uh, that that really cares so that that they're going to give you the best and then you let them go. Let them run. That's well, thanks. That's I think that's awesome advice, too, for someone just starting out. Cause I think a lot of guys grasp that until later in their career. I think I think on a lot of levels, too. Yeah. You know, that's thank you. Yeah. And, and to me, I think the, the other advice I always try to, to, to give guys that are just starting stuff is that you got to be so picky on, on customers, you know, because, you know, there's some people you're never going to make happy. You know, there's some people that it's kind of funny. They, they, it doesn't, you know, no matter what, there's going to be, they're, they're going to complain about something. So even if the car is perfect and it costs too much, I mean, it, you know, there's, and so you got to try to find people that are going to be, um, that, that are trying to look at this in the right light and, and realizing this is a hobby, this will be fun. So, you know, I don't know, a bad, a bad, a bad customer relationship can be uh, pretty devastating for business, you know, and, and if you, if you take bad projects, then when a good one comes along, you're too busy. And, uh, and, and so you got to learn to say no. And, and the, you know, the picture you get, because the car you build is what's going to, that's, what's going to draw the next customer. And so, always look at it like that's your that's your advertisement so whatever you build that's the kind of person you're looking for for the next project and you know i think i don't know i think that if, if you can do that i think that's that really works good in the long run you know one thing i wanted to ask you guys um i i because i you know i there again i i kind of live holed up in, in my shop and and uh and don't have a lot of visitors don't talk to a lot of people about this stuff much what you know, and but I'm always thinking about costs and, and what cars cost and everything. And what do you when when you when you uh, think about what a, a high dollar build is? Where what is that figure? What what do you think when you what's a what's an would be a considered a, a high end? You what know, type a, of car? Not, well, let's say uh, uh, well, you know. A Camaro, you know, even like a 69 Camaro that you know, like a Detroit speed. Let's, you know, I'm not talking about your ultimate crazy high end, but mm -hmm. when, when, when you hear somebody there, okay, that's kind of a high end car. Where do you figure that dollar figure starts? So let's say in a Camaro, zero sixty seven eight nine 69, 89 Camaro, first gen. Like super nice paint, 
I think a once you get past say two hundred grand, you're starting, you're starting to play with the, you're starting to play with the big boys. Once you yeah, get past yeah. that number, oh, right. okay. That's the kind of at this point, it, it's kind of like I think it's like the general consensus when you get into like almost an entry level car now, and the higher end is considered like two and a quarter, two and a half. Okay. Which to me is crazy because I'm a single dad. So for me, you know, you say, what to use a high end car? I'm like three grand. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, you know, that's a, I'm, I'm so glad to hear you guys say that. And I was always curious that, you know, because what kills me is then you look at what you could buy for that. Yeah. You know, I, I'm talking like Ferrari. So, so you could have a Ferrari sitting in your garage and everybody in the world would know that's an expensive car. Or you can have Camaro. And not that it matters what people know, but I'm just think, looking at it like what, you know, what looks like it, what it costs, you know, or you can have Camaro that would people would think you got about 50 grand in it, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and plus, you know, you kind of lose perspective because Eric and I build, I build cars that I could never afford, you know, and, and so I, I, I lose perspective. And, and so you guys, you guys are right where I was thinking. And, and so I was a relief to hear, I didn't know if I didn't have any idea where that, where that number started. And, uh, and, and, you know, but to me, it's always been, it's, it's perspective. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's all relative, you know, you know, some people get all crazy about how much people got money and people got in cars, but it's all relative to what you have. And, and so if you got a lot of money, then 200 grand is not as much. Yeah. I thank God they're out there spending the money because that's what keeps us holding the industry moving, you know, and right. not, not that they're the sole people, but we need them. We need them just like we need everybody else. And, and so I don't, I never had any animosity towards, towards that kind of thing. You know, George, you know, got lots of money, but he's also one of the biggest car guys that ever been, you know? And so I hear people bashing him about his money. I just think that's when the ignorant, ignorance is just flying at that point, because they don't, if you own, if you knew how stupid you're sounding right now, you know, it's, yeah. Or if the roles reversed and you were George, what would you do? Sit and not spend any money because you don't want anybody to think anything. No, you'd go and do exactly what he's doing. Exactly. And it's not just that, too. You consider it it was guys like George and a lot of the guys who were out there who who kept this industry rolling through a really rough patch around 2008. Exactly. They're the ones, if it wasn't for those guys doing it, I don't think we'd have any of the high-end builds that we have today. Exactly. That could have died off. And that's, again, I think that goes right back to kind of earlier in the episode. We we talked about having, you know, the patrons of the industry. It's those guys that do that. And again, it's it's the the pie-in-the-sky builds, these million-plus-dollar builds that give us all something to aspire to. And then at one point, think about it, probably a high-end build was, you know, I said, man, you had a hundred grand into your car. How did you do that? Yeah. Remember that? I remember yeah. when stainless steel brake lines, if you had stainless steel brake lines, you hit the upper echelon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember, because when I did that roadster, that green roadster, and I put stainless steel brake lines, I thought, oh my God, I can't believe this. I am building that kind of car, you know, and it wasn't of that level, but it, but it was a big deal, you know, yeah. and, and. You're right. And, you know, and in fact, when you say that, because 2008, I was building a sedan delivery for him. I just finished it. He had 23 cars going at that same time. Now, George doesn't need 23 cars. He's the first one to tell you he doesn't care about 23 cars. But he was keeping 23 shops busy yeah. or at least had a project with him, you know, and, 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 and you're exactly right. I mean, he carried uh, he carried a lot through a rough time. Yeah. 
That's the amazing part. You're you're pushing that hard. And, you know, and one or you know, and it was a handful of guys, really. Yep. That's amazing. That's why I have, I have a hard time. Anyone who talks smack about that, well, go out, get your own money, do what you want with it. Yeah. But the thing is, is that is there again? If you have that much money, then they they bet you. Well, oh, you just writing a check. Well, okay. So serious. Let's say you all of a sudden came into a bunch of money. You're going to sit out in the garage and just piddle away at one little yeah. project time or something. Now remember, you got all this money and you only have so much time you can't buy time like, yeah. you're, but you're not going to pay anybody to do anything. you're going to just i'm sorry that is not the case I mean, you know if i had if all of a sudden landed a bunch of money sure i'll piddle around the shop a little bit but i'll be writing checks to some other people i don't, I don't need <laughs> you know and if i you know if i can pay troy or whoever to build me something like that we're going for it you know and, and yep. so that, that's what's you know i just i thank god they're out there you know and and uh and and you know they do they keep the, they keep everything moving ahead and and i mean look at you know look, just look at everything that um that boyd did and if it wasn't for the for the wealthy customers he had i mean where would we be today i mean you know he he legitimized the sport when mm-hmm. it come to making it okay for a guy to tell you know a, a guy with some money to tell people I've, I've got this hot rod over here and that wasn't a bad thing anymore that was something that was a cool thing now and, and uh thank god for that you know it, it i mean i i get to i get to do this job and it was partly because of people like that you know and and uh but but the thing is it's just you know so you know i i, I just kind of curious because to me a couple hundred thousand dollars in a camaro is just crazy but i understand how it happens but it's just yeah. it's just oh my god you know but but that's but that's what it takes if you're gonna do a do a upper end you know you, you you think you're gonna do it cheap, and and you find out the stuff starts adding up, and it just keeps adding, and they don't quit. And it's brutal, you know. It's just brutal. You know, Adam Kraus uh, helped me out. Um, actually, I don't like to paint any cars that I, for me because then I never have fun with them. So he painted that Mustang for me, and in fact, I had a different friend paint my Galaxy for me. I I. Uh, I, you know, I, I can never look at a car that I painted and not pick it apart. And I didn't want to pick those cars apart. I wanted to just enjoy them and have fun with them, you know. And and so, uh, you know, Adam Adam did that Mustang for me, and and just uh, he's just such a great guy. And we talk, you know, and he says his his worst worst time of the month is every month he's got to do the invoice. You know, you just you just hate it because there's so many hours, and it's so hard to justify, and uh, and you just hate you hate handing the people the bill and and. Uh, but you know he works hard for it, and so you know you gotta you gotta learn to get over it. But it's still tough. Right on. It's, it's tough on my side too. <laughs> oh, I bet. You know, I I bet. You know, I, I mean, it's you know, but 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 artwork is so smart. You know, because it's cheap compared to making something and making it again and making it again, and it looks bad. Pay up front figure out what you're going to do and make it once and you know and you spend the money up front and you're going to you save it in the long run exactly and once you have somebody that's been through the been been through the rodeo a couple times they realize that but it's the stuff i think the the first time the first time guy it's probably a little harder to, to understand that but uh that's you know that's smart i i like that when you post those Brian, of the pictures of the cars that have been done, and uh, and you start posting the, the 
the stuff that you did, like on Andy's Model A and stuff. And you know, all of a sudden you see these the drawings that you did that are just so cool. Thanks. Yeah, and I, I just think it's it's helpful for somebody who's starting a project to kind of understand what goes into it intellectually and, and planning wise. I think I think that's a it's a helpful thing for them. And for me, it's you know it's it's not like an ego thing because I hate looking back on some of the sketches. <laughs> they're, they're, some are so rough and loose. But um, you know, it's 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 I think it's a very important part of the project that a lot of people still overlook. And, and I, you know, not saying it because it's something I do, you know, and there's a lot of talented guys out there who do it as well, but it's, um, I, I still think it's one of the most important parts of any project. If you can get that communication, especially between owner, builder, designer, and everything in one place, it saves a whole lot of cross wires. Yep. Yep. And, and there again, you know, you start talking about what some of these cars start costing. So then, you know, the, the percentage of what you're spending on that artwork compared to the overall cost starts getting to be pretty low. You know, it's a pretty small percentage, but it's such a huge impact And there again. And the money it can save uh, going down different rat holes that you shouldn't be, you know, you should be headed down and making things and then remaking them and that kind of stuff. I mean, that that to me is expensive. I, I hate wasting money and, and wasting time is wasting money. And, and smartest thing people can do best thing they could do is they can sit down with you and a building set at the same time before they've turned one screw before they you know before they nailed down the exact project and uh and boy you talk about that would make that makes so much sense in the long run definitely it's even better when you get along with the builder (laughs) (laughs) is that tough is that tough for you sometimes there's, it's, it's rare. I mean, I had gotten to a point where you can kind of, you get a select group of guys you can work with and work with really easily. So you get your comfort zone. Sometimes you work with a new builder, you know, someone you've never worked with before. And there's a little bit of headbutting that goes on. They might see it one way and it might be something you've done 40 different times on paper and you just know it's never going to work. Yeah. So, you know, and there, there becomes an ego thing. You know, a builder might say, no, it's totally going to work this time. And they're two-thirds of the way through in the metal phase. And, you know, you just kind of want to go, <clears throat> remember this? Like, yep. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah, I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. <laughs> and, and I hate being that guy because I always want to push the envelope. I just want something to be the best possible thing it can be. Yep. And for me, you know, it's, it's a lot of understanding. You know, with my background, I get where you're at billable hours, materials, things like that. All that's going through my head while I'm drawing. So I, I might approach a drawing a little bit different than someone else where they're like, oh, we can totally put this 57 Buick grill into this 2002 Taurus and it's going to look super bitching. <laughs> and me, I'm going, mm, so many levels, no. But, you know, but I've never end, seen it done before. ZR1 taillights, yeah. Those are going to look great in the rear pan of a Chevy pickup truck. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you know what? There is something, you know, I, I totally understand because you, once you've thought something out, you've, thought, you've got enough of yourself invested in this, and you know the direction it's got to take, you, you can't help but kind of take it personally, or, or at least you want to stay in your ground on, on where this is headed because 
because look, I've already, I've already thought it out. You know, we've already, you know, we've already figured this out and this is what it should be and, and stick with me on this. So I can, I can see how I, I'd be the same way with you. I, I, I could see where it gets, you want to just say, okay, then screw it. Then I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here because it's headed in the wrong direction. And I, and I know where you're headed and it's bad, you know? And, and so I can see that'd be tough for you. Right on. And yeah. I mean, we, I always try to make it really easy though. You know, it, you and I have worked together on a couple little things and, it it's it's so much easier when you can just talk and throw ideas back and forth, and, and I think that falls under. There's just a weird. You start to gain a mutual respect when you know what someone's vision is. I think you start off, you kind of feel them out a little bit. You're like, well, oh, you think that a '57 Buick grill is going to look good in that Taurus? Yeah, I'm not going to respect you that much, but I'll respect you maybe some other way. So you're kind of yeah. feeling each other out, and eventually, you just you kind of get a flow of ideas. Things start to go back and forth. And you find a comfort zone. Yeah. I think that's, and it's probably, you know, it's that way with any part of the business. I think you get that way with your parts suppliers. You get your, that way with your client. You kind of get that way when you realize what's going on between the client and their wife, when you're trying to build the car, <laughs> the wife isn't yeah. behind the car. So it's, yep. it's, it's a weird thing. So I think, God, we, we need to, this would be a great book. The psychology of hot rods. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think we could score. This would be a bestseller. <laughs> Tell me about your builder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Do you, do you often have dreams of your builder? <laughs> yes. What is he wearing? <laughs> now that you mention it, uh, now. <laughs> hey, wait a second! You lived in Germany for a while. Can you say that in German? No, I I, uh, I I tried to learn the language, but we lived in Heidelberg, and it's so Americanized that the minute you start stumbling out any kind of German words, then they would quickly start speaking English. It's like, oh man, okay, all right. But that was the best place, man. I I uh, yeah, I love the autobahn. Uh, that was just amazing. We had a we had a little 190e Mercedes, and over there there are hot rods. You know, they didn't have air and crews or anything like that. They're just fast cars. And so, I mean, you'd, I, I love when you pull on the, pull on to the Autobahn, you know, it's just like an off-ramp and on-ramps like we have, you know, here. And, and you'd go through the gears. I and mean, I wouldn't hit fifth until I hit 100. And you truly, you are pulling on like you're pulling onto a track coming out of the pits. And, and it was the best. I mean, we live 100 miles away from Switzerland. And I could make it an hour. And that was kind of bumper to bumper. I and mean, it was, there was a lot of stretches where it was really pretty tight. And, uh, and we could average 100 miles an hour. Wow. <laughs> it was so much fun, man. I, <laughs> I wasn't much, I didn't really care that, you know, my wife liked to do a lot of traveling and stuff. I just liked to get there and then whenever it was time to go, you know, let me know. And uh, the driving part was, it was pretty amazing. That was, that was pretty fun. But I didn't have a shop or nothing, so it drove me. That part of it drove me crazy, you know. <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, the speed was that was crazy fun, man. God, I want to do that someday. <laughs> hey, Dave, thank you for uh, for doing this with us, man. Yeah, it was fun. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. I enjoyed it. I hope I didn't talk you guys here off too bad. Oh no, no, no. no. <laughs> Thank you, though, man. You, get, I, you you gave us far more than uh, that. Well, I mean, I was expecting a lot. Don't get me wrong, but man, 
Thank you. A lot of great insight. I appreciate you opening up like that. No problem at all. Very enjoyable. That was that was nice. Well, awesome, sir. Thank you so much. Cool. You're welcome. Thank you. And when I go before the town board, I'm gonna I'm gonna express to them how the uh, the the Queen Creekoids aren't nearly as bad as we think they are. Queen Creekites, oids. Creek, Reminds of the hemorrhoids, so we can go with the ways. Creekians, <laughs> the Queen Creekians. Yeah, it's, that's that's not to be Sun City because they're the creek, creaky over there. Creekinos, Creekinos. <laughs> oh my god! I, I kind of like it. I thought it was you know a little more. It was kind of it seemed like it seemed like uh, there a lot of horses and that kind of stuff. Not that we're in the horses, but you know we're kind of on the country and and. Uh, so I felt like it was, it was, I don't know, it seemed like a pretty good fit, but, but we've only had that house out there for a year and we, I've only been there, I only got to go once, so it's our retirement home, so someday I get to go there forever and can't wait, but. Very nice. Good area to good. retire to. What? Good area to retire to. I think so, I think, yeah. but I like Gilbert, Gilbert's a good, we lived right off of Higley and Gilbert. And uh, right over by the, the high school there, and, and um, that's a nice area too. That little downtown in Gilbert's really cool. It's grown too. It's pretty nice now. You know, I'm happy. It's uh, it's a good little area, and I figure one day I'll uh, either I'll just you know I'll never retire. I'll be working till you know the day I finally just cash in. But... <laughs> okay. Yeah. There are worse places. Oh yeah. I can tell you about one. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that about eight inches of snow out there. So <laughs> uh, I grew up in that crap. I will never go back. Where'd you grow uh, up at, right? Uh, Buffalo, New York. Did you? Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> I so say that Brian could take a lot of abuse. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> he sure likes hot wings. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> he loves hot wings and losing sports teams. That guy. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> that was good. Oh, That's all it is. I'm just, I'm just one big stereotype. Well, you throw that in. Plus, I'm a Polak, so you know, I'm like the butt of every joke. Yeah. <laughs> just get it from every angle. Doesn't matter. It's pickled hot wings. Oh God. <laughs> Those are the traditionalists. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta eat those with blue cheese, though. So. <laughs> oh, it's better. You do that before you go out and shovel forty-six inches of snow. Oh. Yeah, Buffalo was good at that too, wasn't it? Pass. Yeah, it sucked. We we said you're working, you know, out in a garage when it's thirty below. I remember laying in a driveway, swapping out the gas tank and my buddy's Firebird. And it was 40 below with the wind chill. Oh, damn. Oh. And to this day, if I think about that, every part of my body just hurts. <laughs> and I remember I remember literally trying to huddle as close as I could to the halogen work light for warmth. You know, it's like that puts off a little bit of heat. Oh, it's kind of warm. That's toasty. I replaced a head gasket in the dots and out in the driveway of 12 below. Oh, man. Been there and done that, so yeah. 
I, now I remember my wife's Maverick. We had to replace the heater core in that. That was outside. And it was, I know it was negative numbers, but I think we were just like minus one or something. So it was warm compared to you guys. Many <laughs> <laughs> yeah. freeze don't freeze though. So anything you got wet, you know. <laughs> and I don't harbor a grudge, but I just remember laying out there and looking around. Going, you know, all I needed was the wrench to you know start putting the straps back together and get that thing back up. And I'm yelling for it, and my buddy's gone. And I go, where the hell did he go? Maybe he froze to death. Well, I get inside, this guy's sitting there literally drinking the biggest cup of hot chocolate I've ever seen in my entire life. I just remember standing in the doorway going, seriously? But like, literally, cells in my body have frozen to death. <laughs> yep. And I think part of me never grew back, really, to what it could have been. We'll never know. <laughs> Yep, that's got personal. Speed. We're back to that again. That's why Queen Creek is looking so good. <laughs> well, awesome, man. You, sir. You, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for making this uh, an awesome. Uh, what are we on? Episode? We're in episode forty-three. Holy cow! Wow. Thank cool, you for man. joining us. Well, thank you. We look forward to we'll, we'd like to we'd love to have you back and like I said we'll we'll talk about cars we can't talk about and yeah yeah give me a holler at any time awesome well thanks Dave yes yeah, absolutely right. thank you sir it was great great no problem thank you I, I really do appreciate it guys awesome man have a great night sir all right we'll take care of you talk too. to you sir all see right you. man thank all you right. see you bye, bye. Big thanks again to our, our guest tonight, uh, Dave Lane of Fast Lane Rod Shop, uh, one of the premier builders uh, in, in the world, I would venture to say. Um, great guy. Can't say thanks enough, man. Guys, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of speechless. It, it was a fun show. It was a guy that I'd been wanting to uh, talk with for a long time, and, and he was he was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Indeed. A lot, a lot of great input from... Uh, obviously not not just a, a great builder but obviously a guy who's who's run a great business and figured out a great way to do that yeah I think we touched on a lot of stuff that um you know uh, you never really talk about in the hot rod world yep yeah it, it was it was cool to kind of hear him talk about how he started his influences you know because he he's got a certain style that you know is his own and it was really cool to hear how that all came to be. And uh, it was awesome. Yeah. Great, great guy. Dude. Um, well, hey, uh, at the end of uh, this episode. Oh, hey, uh, when you're listening to this, as this one launches, we will be in, well, hopefully sunny Pomona for the, uh, the Grand National Roadster Show. What mm -hmm. is our booth number? We are building six... 102. Booth one. Right across from 10 cars that Mr. Foose is bringing in. He's right. The Chip Foose. What is it? The builder of the decade? Holy crap, dude. If this you smell gosh. beef jerky, you're right next to us. That's right. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's right. We got beef jerky, cutlery. Yeah. Some guy named Scratch who does okay. pinstripey stuff. Uh, Roaster Shop. Roaster Shop is right down the hall. Ford um, Motor Company's in the same booth, in the building. Hopefully they'll bring their SEMA display. Right next to Dan Chuck, because that just seems fitting. 
Yeah. Yeah. Dan or Chuck if they turn Ford. each other's power off. <laughs> <laughs> Go unplug their display. But but swing on by, check out our. Uh, well, I, I I know we're all proud of it, and for good reason. Uh, you guys did a, a phenomenal job putting your work into it this week and the week before, because we basically had three weeks to put together a uh, a full on booth. And I would dare say that uh, my partners in crime here, uh, I, th- I think we pulled off something really cool. Mm-hmm. I think you guys are going to dig the booth. Yeah. All right. Yeah, your design work and, and a lot of the things that Brad did too, it's really going to look awesome. I mean, v- nice job. Nice job. Thanks, man. And, you know, if you get done, dude, you've done <laughs> a ton of crap, dude. You've done yeah. stuff that uh, it makes a huge difference, but you'd never really get to see it, which is sad. That's all right. But without it, you wouldn't get to see the stuff you do. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. There you go, man. But, uh, yeah, stop by, see us. We will have uh, a plethora of um, stickers and other goofy crap. But uh, swing it by. We'll be recording all weekend and uh, doing a lot of this. By that, I mean recording, not sitting in silence. Yeah, we're just going to record outros all weekend. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Take 65. Hey, thanks for joining us. No, but uh, We're going to mime every episode. Yeah, it'll be all about electric cars. It'll be awesome. Some real out-of-the-box thinking. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, yeah, thanks again to uh, thanks again, Dave, for joining us tonight. Thank you, our listeners, for uh, listening to us and supporting this mess. And um, hope to see you guys at the show uh, at the end of episode forty-three. I am a uh, I am a much more ventilated Brian. I'm a very subtly chopped bread, and I'm still Alex. <laughs> <laughs> you guys keep stealing my idea. Uh, <laughs> we didn't, didn't come out and say I'm Next a time small I'm going window, first. Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'll catch you guys next time. All right. Yeah. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to keep up with us gearheads over on our website at www.round6pod.com. And if you'd like to, we invite you to follow along with us over on Facebook, Instagram, and be sure to check out all of our latest videos on youtube.com.